Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of Kill program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So today, we obviously have the, I don't want to say infamous, we have Staz. I'll be cool with Anthony Stadica on the podcast. Firstly, mate, I want to say, well, thank you for, for this, for the setup, for inviting me down, well, for, you know, for entertaining us, having this conversation. Um, something I've been enormously looking forward to. We've got an absolute plethora of things that we're going to cover off. But yeah, firstly, I want to say, start by saying thank you, mate, because I think you've got so much value that you can bring to everyone in your audience that maybe hasn't heard the side of things yet, and definitely my audience. So I think it's going to be cool, mate. Appreciate it, mate. And welcome to Through Dark HQ. And I'm probably going to start with a thank you as well, mate. Thank you to, to you, Mark. I think for those that don't know, obviously, I've had a quite a long um, military career. My body has been through the mill, um, probably more than most. I'm only 38 years mm-hmm. young at the minute, but I feel like I've got the body of, a, of, a, of an 80 year old. But I think that's the nature of the job. So I was involved in like an IED explosion. It's kind of compressed my spine. Uh, that coupled with lis- lifting you know, stupid heavy weights at a young age, incorrect form. Mm. So I've got a, a lot of issues with my lower back, herniated disc. I think I sent you the... Um, that screenshot, yeah. The screenshot yeah. Of, of the scans and stuff. And it flares up every now and again. And since sort of transitioning into the civilian world in 2018, my trainings had to change and adapt as well. You know, I've always been sort of heavy, go hard, go mm. or go home sort of style training. Um, you know, just ego style really. But having flare-ups a lot of the time with my lower back, and it's, it's been a real fucking issue for me. Mm. And, you know, since training... And especially now since doing jujitsu for the kind of uh, the last sort of 18 to, t- to 20 months, I'm having no end of issues and problems. And I've seen physios, uh, doctors, I've looked at loads of stuff online. And I spoke to you, obviously, I saw your stuff online uh, through social media, reached out to you and you very, very kindly sort of taken your own time out there, sent me some amazing videos. Not only did you send me sort of rehab and sort of ways to... Uh, mitigate that 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 risk and that issue of the lower back pain and issues that I was getting. You know, you explained everything as well, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you gave me a few exercises to start with, and honestly, mate, I'm, I'm not just saying it because we're on the podcast. <laughs> I, I've said this to a few people. My lower back issue is still there. Mm. Um, I, I know it's there. It's herniated. I can't get rid of that. Mm. It's about managing that. And since implementing the the exercise and the stuff that you you sort of uh, asked me to do, it's been like the te- it's a tenfold sort of um, difference in how I can now train and li- live my fucking daily life as well. Because I, having to peel myself out of a, <laughs> a long car drive, or you know, mm. even picking my, my my kids up or my dog, you know, things you know, the, the back would go, and and I'd be in a world of pain for mm. you know a week, two weeks on the proxen and all that good stuff. So, mm. mate, so thank you um, for yeah helping on, on that stage as well. And all also for the for the rehab sort of side of things Mate, as well. It's, it's genuinely a pleasure, and um, you know, in the world that we currently live in, and everything is commoditized, it's really underestimated how fulfilling it is that what I have learned and the things that operate in my mind, when you're able to articulate out to a human and it, it, it changes their life, you're like, fucking hell, that's, that's the most fulfilling thing that I can that I can receive. Um, so mate, it's good to know. And you know, I think everyone listening to or watching this podcast, whichever medium you're looking through, can resonate with how claustrophobic and infuriating and debilitating back pain is. And that's without the 
plethora of punishment your body's had for obviously your former career. So to know um, know firsthand how it feels, and we've all lifted like a twat when we were younger. We've all fucking done it. Yeah, <laughs> we've yeah. all definitely did. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, to know that you now can continue with jujitsu, which is something we're going to talk about today, and something I know you're so passionate about, is um, is really fulfilling for me as a coach. Matt, thank you, mate. Now I think that one of the main words, that my t- main takeaway to your point there, is frustration. Yeah. Re- removing that frustration and, and allowing me to then train and continue with my life as well, pain free, has been a huge, a huge fucking benefit, mate. So um, yeah, thank yeah, you. And, and pain free is a key point there as well. A lot of people, you know, through perceptions of your military persona and the hard to kill, it's very easy for people to think, oh, it's all about lifting really heavy weights and running really fast and climbing a mountain. It's like, right, you, you, you're making a trade-off and you're paying a price further down the line. And it's about thinking, not to say we shouldn't push ourselves and find our limits, but now starting to think, you know, when you get late 30s, 40s, right, I still want to be able to do these things when I'm 20 years down the line and, and changing the ethos so yeah. that you're not, you know, fucking hanging out every single day. It's a good point because I don't know whether it's a mental, it has to be a mental shift, mm. you know, between you understanding your body, listening to your body, understanding now what you can do as opposed to what you used to be able to do and, yeah. and not also not being so harsh on yourself as well and judging yourself by your current standard in terms of what you used to be able to do. And that was quite difficult for me to switch through, to yeah. make that that transition yeah. mentally more than anything yeah. and, and physically as well so I'm now that guy in the gym that's doing all those weird banded <laughs> walk arounds and exercises and I remember in our office up here I think I said this to you uh, last night it's yeah. kind of a mezzanine with an open plan floor and uh, where I was walking you had me doing the sack swingers sack swingers <laughs> with a, yeah. basically I'm wearing a weighted belt with a chain mm. on and it's got the um, the kettlebell hanging between my nuts yeah. and I was kind of walking up and down <laughs> and I think Tommy the brand director was like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> no but it's stuff like that that's really helps them yeah 100 um so mate we're gonna get into a lot of what we've just very quickly glanced over today and yeah. um we'll go through it in in some degree of logical sense i've tried to make order of the chaos here people can see like my fucking scattered notes everywhere <laughs> but what i'd love to do to, to start is at the beginning is tell us a little bit about yourself mate tell us about you as a person before military career before through dark tell us a little bit about yourself mate all right mate um i do like to waffle and i think we're probably three coffee, <laughs> three coffees deep which is never never a good thing but long story hopefully short but long story long um, yeah, so Anthony Stazica, 38 years old. I was born, uh, I want to say race, for the, this, the first part of my life, up to about the age of seven, in Wigan, up mm. in Lancashire. My parents split up when I was about seven. Mm. Um, so that was my sort of first kind of, looking back now, trauma, I guess. Uh, I've got an older brother, Andrew, who's uh, a couple of years older than me. We then relocated with my mum. Uh, she remarried to Nottingham or Mansfield. So we went through that kind of transition of changing schools. Um, we've got where now the people with a funny accent. <laughs> and yeah, I started kind of that transition into primary school, then into secondary school, which which was fine. I've always been quite kind of outgoing, uh, outgoing sporty. So mm. I kind of got myself fully stuck into, I had to sort of transition from rugby into, into football. So I got really stuck into football, really enjoyed that school was okay I enjoyed school but I enjoyed more than anything the people in yeah. school and those relationships and, and, and having a laugh I guess and a crack like most people I was never really that educationally driven yeah I wasn't I wasn't a rebel or anything by any means either so kind of getting stuck into school and then my first real kick in the balls was when my mum suddenly passed away uh, it was a brain hemorrhage luckily at the time for me and my brother we were visiting my dad uh, for the weekend up in Wigan so we had that kind of phone call Sunday so we'd left on the Friday seeing so, you know, everything's fine you know, she was pretty much the same age as myself, or 36 years old, or 33, bad maths. <laughs> but um, 
on the Sunday having that call and my dad mm. sort of sitting us down and coming back in and our world was just flipped upside down at that point. And I um, remember going straight to hospital uh, in Mansfield, sort of my mum was in an induced coma. And at that point, sort of not really understand. I'm 11 years old at this point and mm. just thinking, what the fuck is going on, you know? Um, she was in an induced coma for, I want to say, a week. Uh, and then the decision was made to, to turn the life support off. Now at that stage, 11, you know, I'm just transitioning into secondary school, you know, that was a that was a quite a, a hard pill to swallow. And I think, you know, in hindsight now and looking back, at the time I didn't really deal with it. You know, there was we're not kind of where we are right now in terms of, of mental health and, and support for, for people and for kids, I guess. Mm. Uh, certainly nothing was offered or uh, there was nothing kind of... It was, it was strange because at that point, you know, our stepfather was a bit of a shitbag. And thankfully, my nan and granddad, my mum's um, parents, mm. relocated, gave up everything, sacrificed everything, moved down, sold you know, sold their place up there, bought a place in, in, in Mansfield, and me and my brother moved in with, with my grandparents. So mm. we've had this going on. We're now transitioning to secondary school, and now I'm living with my grandparents, which is fucking odd, mm. you know. And they're quite old school. My granddad's a great man, quite old school values. Yeah. And, I, and now looking back, that, that set me up for success. It was brilliant. But at the time, you know, the, the, you're kind of too two um, generations kind of mi- like skipping through here and it's it's difficult as a yeah. young kid you know you you also don't want that pressure you don't want that that you don't want the eyes on you you know mm. you just want to transition through life and through school and you just want to get on with things you want to keep your head down and I felt like it, for me it was um, a real negative sort of dark cloud cast over me but I'm super thankful to my grandparents for yeah. raising obviously me, me and my brother they've done, done an incredible job I think again looking back with the kind of the, the kind of man that my granddad was and the, and the values and things that he instilled in me were yeah. were fantastic yeah um, so I'm forever grateful for that and yeah I, what did it leave how did it leave me feeling it left me with more questions and answers I'd, mm. I'd say me and my brother didn't really talk about it I didn't really talk about it to you know to my dad or to my grandparents I just kind of got on with it uh, and dealt with it in, in my own in my own mind but again looking back there was a lot of anger there you know I already had quite a, a spark in me anyway it's probably fire in my belly but it just kind of just just fueled that fire more for me so mm. I then put most of my efforts and energy into sport yeah. so football very quickly began throwing all of my energy and effort into that and quite quickly was uh, was picked up I was playing for Mansfield Town from the age of kind of 13 up to 16 YTS level I was playing for you know, obviously the school the captain captain of the, of the county team bits and pieces mm. and then went on to sort of represent England school boys didn't make it as a as most failed <laughs> failed footballer <laughs> stories you know I had a uh, I used to love motocross I was racing motocross at weekends when I shouldn't have been d- uh, dislocated my knee quite badly and then had a subsequently had a an operation mm. uh kind of fixed the problem but didn't i remember coming back on the first game and my knee going again and i just remember sort of hitting the the floor in frustration because i knew that was my that was my That's chances over. gone and at mm. the time i think i was at fulham as well so everything was looking everything was lining up for a uh, you know a football career for me at that point but yeah uh, but, but to point as well, I'm not by any stretch of imagination saying that I would have been representing England in the World Cup at Qatar. Sat opposite, like Plan B of Rooney. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. So what happened then? Uh, again, I had put mentally all my eggs into that basket. Mm. So I had to kind of readjust my focus and my purpose. I ended up going to college. I wanted, I loved engines, loved bikes, loved cars. Mm. I wanted to do an engineering degree. Or uh, I spent, I think it was um, two or three weeks at uh, work. What do they call it? Where you work experience. Work experience, yeah. mate. I did it in a, in a horrible local garage uh, in Mansfield. But I loved it, you know, mm. all the fucking, the engine bits and pieces and get my hands dirty and, and the smells and everything. I loved that. 
Um, however, I was an absolute biff with my uh, results. Um, I got a D in math, so when I turned up on the day and was kind of, I'm here for the engineering uh, um, course, it would have meant me, because of my school results, it would have meant me having to do an extra year on top of an already two, three-year course. And yeah. it, that's like 17 <coughs> years old. A year, yeah. a, a year seems like forever, doesn't it? So I didn't do that. And then I kind of looked at it. It was an open day at college. Looked across the fucking hall. And uh, I think it was just the chicks everywhere. I was like, what's that over there? And it was the, it was the um, sports science department. So yeah. I uh, trundled over there. And it seemed quite natural anyway. I was quite obviously quite sporty, still playing football. Yeah. Um, so I enrolled on a BTEC National Diploma in sports science at West Knox College. I uh, did that for two years, got back into the football, then I represented British colleges at football. And then I was scouted by um, an American university, offered a full scholarship to play at University of South Carolina, filled all the forms in, excited, and plane ticket was bought, met the kiddie from Hull that I was going to be uh, kind of living with, going down that route, got all excited again. And I filled in some amateur eligibility forms incorrectly as a, as a BIF. Um, they deemed me to be a professional in their amateur league because I kind of answered this, I answered honestly, as I, as I, I thought correctly at the time. Mm. You know, have you ever received royalties? Have you ever been associated with professional clubs? Blah, 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 blah. And that's obviously, that's quite a natural thing in, in the UK system. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't play. Uh, that kind of got <laughs> literally two weeks before I was flying out to America. Uh, that would have been probably three years out there. That would have been a, a fantastic opportunity. So again, it was just another kick in the in the tits so then had to readjust well what am I going to do now didn't really think much beyond you know at that age you're not really looking past a week really are you <laughs> so um, what else interested me the gym working mm. out so I then I did a, a gym instructors course personal training course through college literally joined a, a council run gym mm. uh, in my local village yeah. and I kind of worked there for a couple of years I was a lifeguard as well so I was doing kind of lifeguard stuff working in the gym and I enjoyed it you know mm. I enjoyed the fizz side of it more from a personal benefit uh, than anything but sort of two years or a year into that was still sort of thinking you know is this it you know how long do I want to do this for so I started looking at other options and um, the military was sort of popping up as well there was mm. I think Iraq was kicking off at the time so for me I'd sort of started looking or scratching the surface of, of the military and, and as uh, for myself I've always kind of pushed myself I always wanted to be the best so for me it was um, what is the best or the hardest kind of military training and arguably the Marines or the Paris by chance when I went into the Armed Forces Career Office in Nottingham I uh, the, the guy was a Marine so I enrolled onto the Marines off I went I kind of I had that refocus that repurpose again uh, that kind of mission if you if I want of a better word in my, in my mind and something to really something to really aim towards and train for mm. so I got the bit between my teeth and I really sort of as, as I as I do with everything went you know uh, went all in all chips in so join the Marines at 21 years old, uh, 2005, 897 troop. I went straight through training, uh, obviously brushing over sort of 32 weeks here very quickly. <laughs> I think the main takeaways from me were, one, I, I felt at home immediately mm. um, around that. Like, I found a kinship, uh, brotherhood, pe people that were like-minded. It was a welcome distraction. It was a new focus for me, as I'd suggested. And I loved the physical side of it as well. I mm. loved the, the fact that I could push myself physically, mentally. Mm. It was challenging. There was new things happening daily. Mm. You know, I was learning new skills. I I was applying these new skills and forming kind of tight bonds with, with the guys in the troops as well. Mm. Probably the main points are I'd kind of started and finished as a as an original, as they would say. So I wasn't, thankfully, wasn't injured. I went all the way through. I passed in December 2005. I was awarded the King's 
badge, which is the kind of uh, top recruit, top brown noser, um, <laughs> and also the PT medal. That was the main one that I was going for. I was interested in the, in, in the PT side of things, the phys- physical side. So mm-hmm. I was the kind of fittest guy in the troop. So I had the sort of fastest times. I'd kind of been consistently showing up on, uh, in terms of all the way through training mm-hmm. um, as one of the kind of front runners yeah. or the front runner for, for the troop. So I was happy with that. And uh, I left there. Uh, beginning again when on Christmas leave January 2006 turn up to 40 commando in Taunton there's some familiar faces that people might know or have heard or seen of today and looking back it was a real strong kind of group that I that I joined you know we had Ant Middleton uh, in the same company Louis you know, the co-founder of Through Dark um, and uh, quite, I think three or four maybe five people from that troop alone uh, went on to uh, successfully pass special forces as well mm-hmm. so I went on my first tour um, it was only a, a month or two months long into Kabul a steep learning curve uh, as a Marine mm-hmm. and at that stage in the Marines that was my first introduction to Special Forces uh, and in particular SBS obviously you know about these guys and you know about Special Forces um, to some extent it's kind of like it's like a myth but that was my first time that I'd seen these guys they kind of rolled through the checkpoint into the camp that we were we were stagging on or guarding on uh, on the main gate and they kind of rolled in, looking different, looked like cowboys, you know, long hair, long beards, all the cool kit, you know, denim jeans on, flannel shirts, all that kind of stuff that we've seen. And immediately spiked my interest. So off the off the back of that, that tour went back into 40. Then I went up to Fleet Protection Group on the west coast of Scotland. That's the nuclear deterrent. And then um, for me, it was, okay, what's next? Uh, what can I do to push myself within the Marines? But in the back of my mind, thinking about maybe selection. But bearing in mind, I've only been in, in, the, in the Marines for two years now. Mm. The other things that interested me were being a PTI. Uh, that really appealed to me. Um, but I think at the time, I don't know if it's changed now, you needed to serve at least four years and had to be a corporal. So there's other mm. sort of barriers to entry into into being a PTI. So I enrolled onto the Royal Marine Sniper course. It's arguably the, the hardest kind of uh, infantry course that you can do. Mm. Yeah, highly regarded. 10, 12 week long course. Back to Limston. Successfully passed that. And at that stage, I guess the seed was set. That was also, I, I think, for me, a test to see if my soldiering ability and, and, and everything was where it I thought it was and where it should be uh, to enable me to enrol myself onto uh, Joint UK Special Forces Selection in mm-hmm. 2008, which I did. So off I went training again. This was another thing for me to refocus and then to really kind of aim high mm. uh, was was Special Forces. I didn't know too much about it. There's obviously a lot of things going on internally within the units and generally it's people that have failed, failed <laughs> selection, mm. you know, and it's probably a point to note about how and who to pick information from and then how you, I guess, process that, the information that you're given from people that have failed Mm. and why they fail um, and ultimately not allow that to, I guess, change your perception or, or how you would like to do things for yourself, mm. if, if that makes sense. We can touch on that in a bit. So off I went on to selection. Again, this was in 2008. So summer selection, it was absolutely red hot on the hills. Mm. Um, unfortunately, we had a, one guy die. Uh, and a lot of people were having heat issues, overheating issues. It was, I mean, we're in Wales uh, of all places, <laughs> but it was, I just remember it being ridiculously hot, mm. for, you know, for obviously where we are and at the time as well. So managed to get to the end of the hills phase. And that's that kind of the physicality and the, and the map reading style. Uh, side of things ticked off the four weeks there then I went into the the jungle uh, which again focuses more on teamwork around a kind of personal soldiering skills and abilities five six weeks there successfully passed that that phase and then into the resistance to interrogation stuff probably similar to stuff people have seen on tv mm. kind of but not <laughs> stylized version on TV. stylized version yeah. yeah absolutely and for me that was probably the biggest 
kick in the nuts. Uh, it's not really spoken about. Uh, you don't know what to expect. And by that stage, your body and your mind is pretty fatigued, uh, is a kind way of putting it. That's probably three stone wet through. And then the next thing you're into this kind of phase of running around for five days and nights um, on the run, being chased and little to no food or water, and then straight into 36 hours of interrogation. And then at the end of that, past that, uh, by the, probably by the skin of my teeth, and then you're into kind of the weapons tactics phases, blah, 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 blah and, and, and continuation training. I then joined um, the SBS down in Paul, and then we kind of do our own sort of pre-selection stuff or uh, your boating and diving courses. Uh, and then off you go into, into the squadron. I joined uh, one of the squadron, Sabre Squadrons, uh, and I was pretty much straight out and deployed into uh, Afghanistan. Mm. Um, I think looking back now, that period, that 10 years, so I had three years in the Marines, and then my more formative years were, 10 years were spent in Special Forces in the SBS. And that really shaped, shaped me as an individual. It was probably the most, the busiest sort of combat uh, action of, of any time mm. looking back now uh, you know it was uh, intense it was just back-to-back -back tours or training if you weren't on tour you were training to, to go back out uh, onto tour as well so I kind of did three or four tours there out in Afghan in quite su uh, quick succession all the time upskilling you know I'm, I'm uh, being demolitioned trained and and just multifaceted as the guys are uh, within special forces as well so very quickly condensing 10 years of, of special forces kind of uh, career there mm. but super thankful you you know, I think looking back, I was surrounded by some immense individuals, some incredible people, you know, mm. that I kind of moved in, uh, moved into that world, you know, so bright eyed, bushy tailed, I was 24 at the time. And then, uh, yeah, just surrounded by incredible people mm. that had done incredible things, um, but were super humble uh, and were willing to kind of pass, pass the kind of information and th their learnings uh, onto, onto myself as well. So yeah, very quick sort of condensed version of, of me within, within the SBS. I kind of finished uh, my time as a sergeant, the chief sniper instructor as I left and uh, yeah forever grateful I had an amazing time you know it wasn't all doom and gloom it wasn't all bad you know the, mm. even the operational stuff you know when it was bad it was obviously very bad but you know high highs and, and low lows probably and mm. but for the most part it was an incredible like kind of really really formed and shaped the person that I am so it's um I look back with you know nostalgia and and, and with with good memory but for me leaving in 2018 I guess it was a strange time to leave I was a sergeant you know I was kind of flying in my career doing really well and you know for those that don't know you sign an open engagement contract of 22 years in the military and you can uh, you hand your notice in when you want to leave and you have a year's return of service that you can do roughly speaking and for me I was kind of 12 years in I was at my half pension point 13 years and I just thought within that 10 years I'd done so much stuff I'd crammed so much stuff in and I ticked for me personally a lot of my boxes mm -hmm. you know obviously I had some close shaves as well um, looking back and my my personal situation has changed as well it already destroyed my kind of first relationship my marriage and looking now forward into what I wanted to do and where I wanted to head towards I for me, I wanted to kind of close that chapter on a real high mm. and be thankful and grateful. You know, I was looking at other people that were doing the jobs that I would be potentially be moving into and it didn't really inspire me. Uh, you're moving further and further away from the, the pointy end, you know, mm. uh, more into administration and training roles, which is which is a, a massive requirement. But for me, it didn't really didn't really fill my uh, my sails. So yeah, the wind was out of my sails a little bit. Louis, um, who's uh, Louis Tinsley, the co-founder of Through Dark here, similar situation, possibly in special forces, mm. a real good friend of mine. And we were actually parachuting out out in America at the time and talking uh, himself personally his situation was slightly different in so much that he was injured uh, there's a common thread here lower back <laughs> injury and he was getting medically discharged so his hand you know, his hand was forced he had to leave and um, at that stage we started talking about well what what could life outside of this world look like and it's 
it's not a decision that you take lightly. You know, you, you've considering everything that you've put, you know, mind, body, soul into getting to that place. You know, to, to essentially reach the the top of the military kind of um, echelons and being tier one and at the tip of the spear and all that kind of good stuff. It was a difficult decision to make because it's not just you involved now. You know, I, I, at this stage, I've met somebody else as well, and you know, um, for me, it was it was the best job in the world, but. Mm the most selfish job as well. So it was all me, 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 when I'm away. And I think looking back at it, I think you spend uh, nine months of the year out of your own bed. So if you're, again, operations or you're training or you're away, it takes a toll on, on personal relationships as well. So yeah, at that point, we made a decision to kind of look into options. You know, the natural transition I'd suggest is obviously private security, well-paid jobs, which is uh, what a lot of the guys do. Um, obviously the skill sets transition quite well into that. Um, there's a lot of people already working in those jobs. So it's quite easy to kind of move into those roles, tickle elbows and, and get really kind of well-paid jobs and, and interesting jobs as well, you know, mm. in the Far East, etc. Which we did when we left, we kind of cherry-picked jobs. We worked uh, security, kindly offered um, work for kind of NFL, NBA and all those kind of good stuff. And for me, that was cherry-picked work that should have really been the best stuff. But when we left, we were kind of thinking, fuck, I don't want to do this for, let's say, 10 years, 15 years. So we were thinking just as we were leaving about kind of other options and talking about what inspired us what what kind of interested us and it was i guess bringing it back slightly so so that you have the military and the marines and then you have the special forces guys and they're kind of you're kind of the cowboys you know you're kind of the outcast guys and, and the budgets are different and they look different you get all the best kit equipment you know weapons optic everything is is, is better and for us, we were, we were sort of provided some of the best clothing and, and kit and equipment, but we we're always quite critical of how it was performing still. Mm. I'm thinking, I think we can make kind of changes here and tweaks and why have they put this here and this isn't fit for purpose in this instance and blah, blah, blah. So off the back of that, we thought, and I think you need an element of naivety when, mm. when whatever you're doing. You know, I was naive when I joined the military, naive when I put myself forward for selection and then mm. naive again moving into business thinking oh how hard can this be and uh you know you need that element uh, um to kind of otherwise i think looking back you wouldn't put yourself through it and, I, and I'm, I'm glad for that but we then started looking into into options and clothing and through dark and i guess what starts out as a lifestyle business and brand for us was well, what do we like doing we like being outdoors we, we what's currently on the market what's wrong with it what don't we like how mm. can we tweak it and change it for what we want so it's fit for purpose for for what who we are and it, and it kind of transcends everything that we believe in as well so mm. we wanted to bring over a, a lot of our ethos and the things and learnings that we had from special forces and and everything and really moving to this world and we we at the time were you know doing the usual things in my front room i think we had a, a long-term borrowed whiteboard from from the military <laughs> and uh we still got pictures of that as well in terms of planning and prepping and again those transitional skills from the military what we were good at was planning mm. you know and we planned through dark out like a, a military operation almost with a timeline what it would look like what it would feel like SWOT analysis to, to the best of our ability at the time and um, off we went Louis got his balls in his hands he flew out to fucking China to a, a massive convention in Guangzhou was just running the floor it's a huge huge convention it's mm. probably the, you know twice the size of, of Bournemouth it, it's huge mm. um so he's running around I'm on comms with him at the time I was still serving about to leave he was kind of leaving he's on gardening leave and um, he's sending me stuff back you know, I'm speaking to these guys suppliers, factories but at the time it's such a fucking difficult job you know trying to get your foot in the door with people you're trying to you're coming with an idea you're a business but you're not a fucking business you know uh, we didn't have a website we had no social media bits and pieces as well so we kind of left and went fuck it we're all chips in let's go for it if we're going to do it let's go for it you know and we did and then we started out and um, 
again, we can jump in and out of this as well, so I don't get too carried away. But I think, yeah, for me and Louis, it was, I think we needed it as well at the time. Mm. Guys that do leave the military, it's, it is an echo chamber. It's a good echo chamber within, you know, the SBS. And I think for me personally, I can only speak for me, but I attached a lot of my my being and my self-worth to who I was. Mm. You know, I'm stars, I'm fucking special forces. And, and that was it. And it's not until you leave that world, that echo mm. chamber into the, into the big wide world. And people generally don't give a fuck. Mm. And that was quite hard to deal with, you know. And But also there's a, the, the other added layer of trying to get things done to the same standard that mm. you, you were used to within the military and relying on people because you could rely on people. Well, granted, the, the situations are different and, you know, uh, but for us, it was it, it was hard to kind of manage that. And it, then it was just me and Louis as well. And we were fucking doing everything. You mm. know, it was, yeah, well, you have to. It's no different from anybody starting any business. You, you, you're plate spinning. And business for me is all about problem solving. Some mm. problems are more difficult than others, clearly. But that's something we were very good at. We're very quickly problem solve, problem, solution, problem, solution. We're quite logical in, in, in that approach. Approach. Mm. Uh, not, that's not saying we didn't make a shitload of mistakes because we did. We always do. Looking back, you have now. to. You can't to be successful in business. You can't fear inefficiency. You know, if you look at all the best businesses. Any any business that anyone would aspire to grow to, to be part of, to be associated with, is where it's at because it's failed forward frequently and like all the fucking time and just yeah fucked up well lots of new iteration go again go again go again go again and it just happens yeah 100 100 i think it's the same with, with with every aspect of life as well but business in particular because you can only i think i mentioned it before you can only do the best you can do with what you know at that time mm. with the resource you have at that time with the contacts that you have at that time mm. with the money you have at that time and it, it's an ever-evolving process you mm. know business and that kaizen philosophy we're constantly you know you see it in our products now you know what are we five years into through dark and you know looking in here it's huge i joked the other day walking in like who the fuck are all these people <laughs> in the office because at the start it was me and lou we did everything you know mm. and we very quickly you know when we were in in the military and special forces, we didn't have personal Instagram, Facebook accounts and bits and pieces. So, you know, and we very quickly, we very quickly kind of uh, found our own swim lanes. Uh, Louis very good at the production side of things and the clothing and the factories and, and everything else and the operations. And I was just the, you know, the marketing, the, that kind of sales, the elbow tickling getting people in the room that kind mm. of stuff and then we obviously crossed over quite a lot and we still do today so yeah off, off we off we went mate on our merry way and thankfully we were introduced to after some a, a fair few horrendous samples and comedy samples looking back now introduced to a um a, an amazing british designer jeff griffin jeff has his own clothing range going on as well uh, based down in devon at the minute at loveland farm um yeah but he's also pulled in to help other brands he's just done a, an amazing collaboration with supreme for mm. example works with you know, his own brand griffin and uh, Woolrich and some other um, high-end fashion brands. So Jeff was very kind to us, to brought us in. He probably, he loved the military anyway. He loves that mm. kind. He's got a lot of ties with the military and his family and personally, and there's a lot of military influence in his designs and stuff anyway. So I think when me and Louis turned up at his eco-retreat for the first time, it was a, a surreal meeting really. And I think we caught him at a really good time as well. Mm. I think he just liked us as well as, as people. You know, we kind of, you know. People perfect. by people. Yeah. It's important to remember that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of went away from that meeting thinking, geez, have we even got a shot? This guy's, you know, he's a great British, you know, amazing British designer and, and 
why would he fucking you know bother his ass with us and it's just a headache for him i guess but he did he pulled us in and flew us out to milan to italy introduced us to an amazing factory to uh, the same factory we still use to this day and off we went on this fucking magical carpet ride of sampling and everything else and websites and we then moved at this stage there's a couple of obviously a lot of things happening in conjunction with us at the same time you know i had a, a personal friend of mine steve clark who's the founding investor of through dark a, a local guy to us here uh, we were friends first and foremost and I kind of really didn't understand what he did, you know. Um, but we'd always just been out boozing and eating and, you know, he knew what we did and that we were leaving. And I think we're probably, as, as all these good plans formulate, 10 pints deep. He was like, what, what are you guys up to? What are you, what are you chatting about? You know, obviously me and Lou were quite energetic and, and speaking about what we were um, passionate about, what we, we had planned. And we went back the next day, gave a bit of a presentation on kind of what we thought through dark could be and look like and where it would sit and, and, and everything else. And he, um, yeah, he, he invested and, um, yeah, what a journey that's been to begin mm. with as well. So yeah, shout out to Steve and a big thank you there. Yeah, but it's been, it's been crazy, you know, setting up from setting up websites, he took us under his wing, Steve, uh, into his office, as a local office in Paul, uh, put us in the corner office, mm. just me and Louis, got first little shelf, got things on, getting super excited. Back in the day, we've got an order, like one order a week, you know, I'll pack it and I'll do it, you know, all this kind of stuff and the comedy and, and everything else. But those, it was amazing. And it's still amazing now, you know, looking there back. There was a day you look back on and I, um, to draw a parallel, I can remember when I first started really moving into business and I sometimes find myself like looking back and, and cherishing those days of when you were just fucking grafting, you had a to-do list as long as your arm but you loved every minute of it and you were fucking yeah. 12 14 hours deep okay. and you couldn't wait to get up and do it again yeah um even though it felt like it had no real traction it had no real momentum you had just fucking energy yeah you know, not you know. enough hours in the day yeah. you know yeah. and you're just yeah you're doing everything as well yeah. and it, you're, you're plate spinning aren't you problem solving and yeah. you're trying to get everything else up and running and we were we were friends of the brand with uh, bramont watches and they uh, very kindly offered their mayfair boutique store for our mm. our grand uh, launch of, of through dot back in 2018 um in, in uh, 19 sorry in may and at the time we had three products bearing in mind we're just approaching summer we had an arctic parker <laughs> typical and um, the hybrid jacket which is still a product now and the zodiac jacket still a product now a staple mm. product and i remember driving on the way to bremont and fuck it, tech issues the website wasn't even launched we're speaking mm. to the web guy louis doing his stuff i'm speaking to the website guy like fuck we're doing this launch today we're officially launching on instagram social we've done all the, the shout the post mm. the you know the countdown effectively to this grand launch and the website was just not working mm. and and then literally it was just as we're pulling up to to, to um to their boutique store in mayfair it was got the call the website right we're good we're live fucking brilliant quick change and off we were into the into the launch of through dark three products and maybe mm. some t-shirts and a cap and then um yeah fast forward again very quickly through uh probably the best part of four and a half five years to kind of where we are today and mm. i think we're 22 to 24 uh, staff now and yeah it's been an incredible journey yeah mate it's been and now we are sat here uh, looking over the warehouse full of all your stock, yeah. you know, team cutting about doing things. And for me coming in as an absolute outsider, um, being in the field of business and, and, and how I aspire to, to cultivate a culture within the hard to kill directing staff and seeing how your guys communicate with one another, do anything for one another, how they've communicated with me, made me feel part of that family. That community is an absolute testimony to um, to how you and Louis have obviously like created everything here. 
And it's fucking brilliant to see because I believe that obviously people by people, but narratives are really important. And all of that has come not from, you know, let's manipulate this to look this way on social media and let's not you know, try and create a story. It's been in internal. It's what you've curated as, a, as the culture you've got within the company. And I perceive that's what we see. That's what we receive on the other end of our, when we're on Instagram and we see these fucking videos, like that's what we're feeling. It is that culture that obviously well, you, we aspire to be a part of. You know, and, and there's a lot of, of that I want to unpack through what you've just spoke about right through from, you know, plan A not going to plan in, in earlier years, but even more recently in, in what you just said, you know, talking about tech packs and design and iterations and Kaizen, I, I think something that I've definitely been naive about and I hold my hands up to that. And I think maybe all of us are because we live in a, in a world where we expect everything immediately is actually having been here and looked at some of the samples you've got and what you've got going on. The level of attention to detail, mate, is absolutely like uncomparable. Anyone who's watching or listening to this, sincerely like we, we were speaking today about probably a couple of millimeters either side of a bit of stitching that can hold something in place or, or, yeah. or not be there so that's really the level of attention to detail that's going into making sure these garments are the fucking best in the world at what they do and um, they don't just look the part they can perform you know based on the experience that you and Louis have had and other guys that you've spoken to have contributed to that creative process it, it's all internal it's all that 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 culture that you've, that you've curated and, and really just built, mate, and it's fantastic to see yeah, as a business. thank you, yeah. mate. There's a few points now that we'll touch on. I think the first one is, um, if you would ask me what the kind of the key to success is, you know, with business, and you, you've touched on it there, is, is people. Mm. You know, I hate saying resource. I'm not referring to people as resource, but people. Mm. If you can surround yourself with the right people that are engaged, they're hooked into the bigger picture of why they're here, they're enthused to come into work, they feel like they're part of that community, mm. as, we, as we did at work as well, well, you know, it's you know, to some element in the, in the military, it's it's queen and country, but it's not. It, mm. it, it's the guy to your left and your right, you know, the thing that the, the lengths that you're willing to go to. And that's what we've tried to bring across here to the culture within within Through Dark as well. And we are immensely fortunate and thankful for the people that we've that, that have crossed our paths, you know, um, also people externally of the business as well that we've uh, been introduced to. But the people up there right now, I'm looking up there because I can sort of see into, into the office, but we're surrounded by some incredible people. Mm. You know, the next bit, I think, is authenticity, you know, mm. which you touched on slightly about from looking from the outside, looking into through dark and i think you can't blag a blagger and i think you cannot people see through bullshit mm -hmm. they they absolutely do they'll smell it out and if your business isn't built on authenticity uh, and and being real and there's only so long you can fake it there's only so long you can wear a <laughs> you mask can't do it for five years mate yeah no exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly and i think what people liked about through dark and from the, especially from the feedback that we that we get directly and uh, it's been that that you know, authenticity from me and Louis, but also that the, the designing, the development and um, the testing of the gear is, is me and Louis, you know, mm. uh, and the team, wider team now as we've as we've grown. And I think that really resonated with people. You know, we were open, we were honest, quite raw on, on the social media platforms and people could see us talking through design, through development, and we're out testing, you know, mm. we're, we're not giving it to other people. And it's worth noting each and every one of our products, they're not off-the-shelf products. It's not mm. something we see and go, oh, that, you know what, that'll work. We'll just, let's just bang a through dark logo on that and, and mm. off we part, mark it up and go, which is what a lot of fucking brands do. Yeah. A lot of fucking brands do. Mm. Um, and I know more now, being in this world and, and Louis and everybody else, we know how people are doing it. Mm. And it's, it's sad to see, really, because... Mm. 
And then back to my third point and final point is around product. Mm. We built through dark around product. If, and, you know, Louis saying it's ready when it's ready. And we get hounded constantly. <laughs> when's this coming back in? Or when's this development ready? And, mm. and, and the answer is it's ready when it's ready. We are mm. not bound to release products, you know, from seasonality. And as it grows and gets bigger, we, th that, that constraint does squeeze slightly. Mm. But... For us, we have to sort of sit down, look at a product, try it, test it, and then look each other in the eyes and say, are we happy with this product? Mm. Would we put our names to it? Would mm. we wear it? You know, and, and that, that goes through that process, mate. And the product has to be absolutely right, absolutely mm. bang on, you yeah. know. And, and I think people uh, kind of, they feel that and it resonates with people as well. Yeah, because if you were to rush it purely with a, a finite mentality of, oh, let's keep other people happy, let's look to push, push profit margins this quarter, so on and so forth. And then you get people whose, whose kit's falling apart. It's, it's going to be detrimental to the long-term vision of everything you've got going on here. And you're probably in agreement here. You're, you're still so early in your journey of what you have the potential to be. And, you know, yeah. through that, rightly, we'll, we'll get that success that it deserves but you know with, with regards to the industry and people white labeling and stuff it's again one of the frustrations that i have in the coaching space is a lot of people just build a system build a sales page stick a fucking logo on it bang it out replicate re yeah. reproduce and so on and so forth now ultimately we can't stand in the rain and complain it's fucking raining we can only do what we can do yeah. just get an umbrella yeah. and crack on and do our thing yeah. and, and hopefully try and educate just by purely firing and engaging and delivering to other people which i think is what you've got absolutely right and you're doing that by being product-based and in the hard to kill we're doing it by being product-based like, look, let's yeah. look at the outcomes rather than you know how fucking flashy it is so now what i wanted to do was kind of reverse back through some of the stuff you spoke about and just touch on those key threads that have run throughout because obviously you had an, an illustrious and a, a, an enormously successful career in the military but actually you were starting to learn lessons that formulate that even as a youngster you know even when plan a failed yeah. you know when when the knee went on the motocross track and then you weren't able to pursue that goal and with, with not being able to get into the university in america through just a, a formality it was just that capability and you probably didn't know at the time you know you're not really conscious in that age as a, as a fucking teenager you don't yeah. really know you're asking me elbow but you were just persevering and that is ultimately the ethos of a hard to kill and what we're all about is that plan a rarely works plan b sometimes works but you normally end up on an iteration of like plan g like, okay cool let's fucking push forward to this yeah. now and that's fantastic so you also you addressed that trauma was something that happened to you early in your life and again you wouldn't have been conscious of that and you, you've been self-aware enough to realize that could have been even been influencing the way you've made decisions later in life and, and you've addressed and dealt with that and all I'm trying to do here is draw parallels to everyone who's watching or listening to this and say, look, like plan A really works. Don't get upset about it. Just get yeah. back up. Okay. You're right, mate. And it yeah. manifests itself in different ways as well. Looking back now through that lens, you yeah. know, having the ability to look back. And yeah. um, again, you only know what you know, but as a kid, you know, trauma and different things happening. Everything, think, everybody thinks trauma, you know, it's, it's a deep, complicated subject of, mm. of which I'm not an expert, but mm. I can only speak from kind of my personal circumstances and situations. I've seen how it's affected people in the military, uh, you know, close friends and, and everything else, but also people external of the military as well. Mm. And I think we are in a better space, you know, where there's lots of literature out there now and, and amazing podcasts and, and people far, far uh, better, well, more well-versed than myself to, to talk about this in, in more depth. But yeah, I think hit, things happen to you you know, I'm not, I'm not a great believer in things happen for a reason and, and all that kind of nonsense and bits and pieces. But what I want to ask you as well and link back in is I think one of my kind of superpowers in some respect um, is I'm not a massive overthinker. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean some, you've got to, the pinch of salt here because I think 
deeply about things and mm. I think about things obviously that matter to me and mm. that influence me and, and people around me. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I kind of control the controllable. And if something's outside of my control, I can be quite flippant and fucking, fuck I can't off. control it, fuck yeah. it off. Yeah. Stop overthinking about it. And some people tend to go down the route of massively, massively overthinking issues, mm. problems, things that never arise. And it's natural. Mm. But it's, it's, you get swallowed into that. So I guess what I'm saying is, where is that fine balance? And it's something that you, you find naturally along the way, don't you? Yeah, and um, I'll tie that in with what you said when you were talking about the formulation and, and creation of ultimately what we now know to be through dark. And you said, oh, you were very naive getting into it. Yeah. I'm a massive advocate of the phrase, be dumb enough to do. Because oh, we, like we get people yeah. out there who, you know, we are we have so much information readily available at our fingertips at all times. And it's not good for us because, yeah, you can be aware of everything. But knowing now what you know about all of the challenges and the hurdles and the obstacles you face in the in the building of Fruidark, if you knew that at the time <laughs> in which you had a fucking whiteboard, you'd be like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, we're off back on the circuit. Absolutely. Done it. Um, so you have to be, exactly as you alluded to, aware of the variables, aware of what you can control within that set of variables and say, right, we'll just fucking crack on. And um, as long as you've thought through with it a degree of, and this is probably something, again, you'll have picked up and, and really honed in your experience in the military, specifically in a tier one operation, is that if then planning. So if this happens, then we know what to yeah. do. Then if that, then that. But then you've also, like you said, got to have the wisdom to say, well, if this happens, then we have something we can control and we can create an iteration and we can move forward with that. But we ultimately can't control if that event happens. Yeah. So fuck it off. Yeah. It's good to think like that. That yeah. what you're mentioning is most likely course of action, most yeah. dangerous course of action, you yeah. know. Um and what usually tends to happen is maybe somewhere in between that and it's the yeah. Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan to they get punched in the exactly fucking that. face. And it's true. Like, like let's take the analogy. So it's it's very easy for to talk analogies of you know planning operations in a, in a special force environment but that's not relatable to, to a mass amount of people as interesting as it is yeah. but then if we look at right let's look at through dark and let's look at when you, you you had everything ready to go and set the launch and the fucking website went down yeah. didn't plan for that <laughs> but you're like fuck well what can we do can't control it let's get to the location we are let's, where we are yeah, exactly that and um, you, you kind of have to have that, that ability to, to realise when something's outside of your control and turn it off so you yeah. call it flippant I just call it um, emotional regulation yeah. and being like well I can't control it so the, the difficulty and the challenge is like especially when you're in a position of leadership is then communicating that to another person because they can be made to feel anxious and more unsettled by the fact they think you don't care yes it's like i think often it, it comes across like you he just doesn't care he doesn't yeah. care or he's not as emotionally invested as me yeah. or why is he not as worried it's as like, me i just or... don't have the bandwidth for that to be in my cognitive load at the moment so i'm fucking it off yeah i'm aware of it but it's not i can't allow it in my con i've got i've got about the ability to handle between five and seven bits of information mm. I don't have room for it. Yeah, I kind of refer to it like I've got a 10 gig brain and yeah. if somebody's trying to run 15, which is, it feels like at the moment all yeah. the time, it's just being conscious of what you allow to, to, to be put onto the fucking SD card to be loaded in, into the brain, I guess. But 100%. Even what, like, with, with, this is how we view things in a hard to kill program. Like if we know someone's physical excellence for whatever reason, it's relatively simple to do that in terms of if you've got the tools and the resources and understanding to, to train, like you can facilitate it. But then you look at, right, your wife's fucking chewing you out at home. You got stress at work. Like you've got all these other things going on. These are all consumers and your bandwidth to the extent where then you don't have the mental energy or the propensity to go and do that therefore the plan is fucked from the first because you haven't considered those things so you've got to look at right well I can control these and change these so speaking to your point then it's about well how much have you got on the SD card and you need to go through and start closing some files which means you need to learn how to A be aware of it B how to regulate it C how to communicate about it and then you come back to your SD card ah oh, it's blank and I think yeah that's a really what, a good way of putting things and I think it's it, for me the main takeaway for that is is being 
conscious enough to be selfish mm. to understand why you're being selfish for the right reasons and yeah. looking after yourself as well so that people do get the better version of you people that you know are in yeah. your immediate circle but also external as well yeah. and also not fucking bothering your ass about other people's opinions and mm. you know I always say like if, if people are thrown it, we're hardwired that way aren't we humans yeah. you know we could get you know trust pilot reviews here loads of fucking <laughs> and you, your eyes just pings to the fucking the one star ones. out of the fucking yeah. fruit darker shit because they didn't answer my email within two minutes and you're just yeah. straight away it gets you but I guess you've got to be conscious of that and you've 100%. got to understand that you know if it's if they're not in your tribe or you wouldn't ring that person up for advice in particular then don't fucking listen to it but it's easier said than done yeah. and I understand that a million percent and it comes down to if we look at again it's a degree of awareness and education understanding that even as recently as 500 years ago if you were the outlier and you got cast out of your village you got exiled that was basically a death sentence because you couldn't yeah. survive and you were fucked so then you go even further back than that the same has been true throughout all of history until now and now we actually don't have to care about the opinions of other people and mm. people are operating with zero accountability on anonymous profiles and the, 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 the detractors fucking everywhere yeah. like absolutely everywhere you all have had your fair share I've definitely had my fair share and it's kind of like well the way I like to look at it is you could quite literally saving run into a burning building and save a child and someone would still call you a nonce yeah so that's just the way i look at it i'm like <laughs> i did the right thing with the information i had available at the time yeah. and i'll fucking stick by that because my, my intent was inherently good so yeah it's, it's fascinating for people to hear good that as mate. well what's um it's kind of linked to that that, that the topic as well is what mate what's your thoughts on on luck i'm actually reading a book about this at the moment and um there is a science behind it, I'll put it that way, in terms of people, the, to the greatest extent, actually generate and create their own look based on their propensity to take an opportunity, which is based on their ability to see an opportunity. So if you're always walking around and you're relatively pessimistic and your fucking head's always on the ground and woe is me and you're resentful of the world around you, then your SD card is full of, of, of reasons why you can't be successful. And yep. reasons why it shouldn't visit you. Whereas when you're able to do some of the things we've discussed in terms of just persevering, getting yourself back on your two feet again, nothing Herculean, nothing heroic, just get back up again and realize what's outside of your control, inside of your control. You're typically more fulfilled, you're much more grateful, and you're slightly more aware of what opportunities there to be had. So you think, well, I don't know if it's going to go my way or not, but fuck it, I'm in. All of a sudden you're visited by Lady Luck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, well, it's that famous saying, isn't it? When opportunity, um, preparation meets opportunity and yeah. stuff. So there's an element of that, but that's yeah. interesting, mate. Yeah. yeah. I guess there's a lot of people probably from the outside looking at you get that concept it's all right for you isn't it you had this oh, guy you, this guy this was thrown there and it's <laughs> yeah. fucking all right for me is it you know what i mean you know yeah, if you, people only see the success that they're, they're seeing right now and yeah. it, is, it is impressive but rightly fucking so but we you know you and i've spoken today about from whence it came and over the past 36 hours we've talked about everything that's created that and actually if you look at the success that you're experiencing today or deservingly experienced today it started when that like fucking 16 year old kid decided to, to keep going even though his knee popped out because how many people do you know could have had could have in quotation marks had a successful career but something happened to them and that is now the reason and the baggage they've carried through life as to why they've not been successful is there a way that, that you can uh, kind of and this is really interesting it interests me mate you know the psychology and everything as, as well but is there a way that you can if it's kind of hard coded or wired into, into if things have been passed to you and and how do you rewire your your thinking and your processes because that has a, a massive effect on massively so, on yeah. output doesn't it essentially um I st I'll start off by saying that I, I class myself as being really relatively average in pretty much every facet of life, but I've just curated an environment where I've got the spaciousness to, to have done loads of work on my own mind. And then that's given me the capacity to spot opportunity in others and then obviously I can build and inspire other people and, and and facilitate success in them that's basically my role to the greatest extent so to speak to your question it all comes with being willing to accept that you're not perfect in the first place mm -hmm. and which people don't always necessarily consciously avoid 
it's an unconscious avoidment because it really hurts. And there's a lot of things that you'd have done in your life that have happened even before your military career and so on and so forth. Definitely things that I've done in my life where you feel an enormous amount of guilt and shame. And you can probably think of a number of memories that make that, that horrible red feeling at the back of your neck. So you just avoid thinking about it. Yeah. You have to accept that like you are a brilliant person, but we all have all things within us. Yeah. And, and you've got to be willing to like, right, okay, let's open fucking Pandora's box. Let's see what's in there. And we start having conversations. And I'm not saying for a second you've got to sit down or lay on a couch and cry about boys that have been mean to you and all that sort of stuff. But I should just be willing to enter in that conversation and say, right, what can I actually learn about myself here? Like what, what's maybe what's not creating the outcome that I want. So you've got to have the capacity to take that condor moment and say, well, I'm getting these outcomes on purpose. What am I doing that's creating the outcome? Because it's not the one that I want. And then take that responsibility and say, well, actually, maybe I have been using that a bit of an excuse maybe when i do point the finger at someone else say well it's fucking easy for you or i'd do it if i had that or is this that and the other well maybe just step, take a step back and say well what's maybe missing in you or, or what's happened in your life that has led you to the situation and what could be changed wicked mate i think do you know what yeah, there's, there's fucking a lot of gold in there mate i think what's important for me and what i've realized and recognized and is, is that communication part we've talked about it but more importantly how i communicate with myself mm. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll, you'll probably know how many thoughts in a minute, 4,000 or probably... It's about, about 70,000 a day. They, oh, wow, yeah. I, was, I was way <laughs> off. So, no, sorry, in, in, uh, in like a minute, oh, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a lot of fucking thoughts and sometimes good, sometimes bad. And I think it's recognising which one to listen to. You know, you've obviously read Chimp yeah. Paradox, Professor Steve yeah. Peters, an amazing book, which answered a lot of questions for me in, in terms yeah. of how I react to situations. And that was quite an, an eye-opening or mind-opening book mm. book for me. Um, and I think it's a lot of times... And what I've experienced as I get older is this weird feeling of self-doubt mm. which comes on as I'm getting older because as you get older, you start to realise you don't know fuck, fucking anything fuck all, yeah. Yeah. and you're like shit because the naivety was great in the younger years to get you to where you needed to be and, mm. and the points we've already mentioned and then you start getting older and you're like fuck then that level of doubt starts to creep in mm. because now you're being asked to speak about things and through experience which is great which yeah. you know nobody nobody can argue with experience but then as you start to look into more of the literature and listening to podcasts you're like shit th this is a this is a big topic a big issue so I need to work on myself now yeah. and, and I think kind of not not beating yourself up too much about yeah. about that and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and understanding that's a, a normal process that a lot of people go through in their mind and, and it's constant it. daily yeah. battle absolute acceptance of it you might be familiar with something called the dunning-kruger effect yeah basically two scientists dunning and kruger who studied that the less you know the more you think you know mm -hmm. and that's basically why stupid people don't know they're stupid exactly mate. <laughs> that, that was the point i was, yeah, was going to raise you, yeah. you start when you know when you're early 20s and you fucking know thing you've got that naivety and it's brilliant and you think you know a lot and you're able to act because you think you're an expert in that field and we've all been there and then you come off that, like I said, and you realise fucking hell, there, there is a vastness to all this information. Vastness to And it. it can almost be overwhelming. That paralysis by analysis. Yes. Um, and yes, it absolutely yes. fucking cripples people. It's one of the biggest things we've seen in guys reaching out to us because there's an overwhelming amount of information available to us. And like you said, we return back to your point, be dumb enough to do, um, be resilient enough to fail and then get back on your own two feet and just fucking crack on. Um, and surround yourself with the right people that can facilitate that within you. Yeah. And then for me, you know, I'm, I'm, cautious, I'm cautious that we've glanced over an enormous section of your life and we'll probably keep returning to that. But now obviously that brings us to Through Dark and, and the business and all of the, the really hard knocks that you'll have probably had over, over the five years. Is it safe to say that business is more of a, 
a fucking boxing match than you thought it was going to be? Absolutely. Um, considering everything, you know, me and Louis have done in the military, uh, mm. the operations and, you know, uh, everything that I can't really speak about, but I'm, you, you, know, you can imagine. Some mm. difficult times, but obviously some good times as well, some intense times. And then, wow, fucking business is, is a different <laughs> beast altogether. Mm. We're, quite, we're very similar, but obviously quite quite different as well myself and Louis mm. and I think that's why it works really well yeah I am super fortunate to to have entered business with somebody like Louis his attention to detail his work ethic is just mind-blowing gets you know he's thank fuck he's been dealing with the stuff that he deals with on that side mm. because this that's definitely a weakness in, in, in myself in terms of operations process the contract side the bits that i'm just like oh my god if it, sometimes it's it mm. can be overwhelming for my brain to deal with and, and he picks that up and and and, and runs with it valiantly and, and does an, an incredible job and but then it works quite well this side because mm. you know louis likes to do that that sort of stuff and then i'll be more on, on this kind of side it's kind of how it's set up upstairs is like kind of that side and, and this side it's almost like right brain left brain like, yeah, yeah it is creative logical that's a yeah. real a real good way of putting it and mm. ours is kind of sales marketing e-com uh, website social and my it's kind of, kind of my lane and, and sales and bits and pieces and Louis is, mm. is more operational it's more product it's uh, that kind of that kind of side of things as well but I think when we both went into this you know bags of enthusiasm we still we still have that today but fuck it's been it's been a mad journey from things messing up but we always went back to this ethos and I think what we wanted to set ourselves up for success and how can we do that with knowing what we know at the time it was trying to get a foundation laid it was brand guidelines it was foundational but building everything from a solid foundation as well and I remember sitting in our first board meeting and it's, it's comedy really we had a board meeting it was, it was me, Louis and Steve and um, what are we four weeks into through dark we've got some Caps t-shirts and, and some <laughs> few items which aren't selling too too quick yeah Steve set us up for a success from the very beginning in terms of spreadsheet how we wanted to formulate the business and I can remember just sat there looking at this fucking spreadsheet up on the, on the screen thinking what the fuck is all this it's super boring and not interested just let us go and do what we need to do and you know at the time now looking back um, having processes and systems and things in place and mm. uh, has massively helped uh, I'm sure you've experienced some of that as well mm. but I mean over the five years there's been emotionally it's, it's put some massive strain on on the relationships personally with me and Louis thank fuck we're, we're tight you know yeah. we, you, you can get through you know the uh, the low lows and and everything else you know for the for the most part we agree on everything you mm. know um we, or, or certainly come to the same conclusions but sometimes you don't and it's difficult then to manage that you know yeah. and but listen we've got thick skin i think bringing our, our kind of uh, experience and relationships across from special forces is one thing you learn is to be quite thick-skinned mm. you know we shoot straight arrows we tell each other how it is uh, i think that's the, probably the best way to do it sometimes mm. things can manifest over time if the things aren't spoken about and mm. we've had our fair shells that share of ups and downs as well and peaks and troughs and you mm. know i tell you what wasn't on the fucking whiteboard is a pandemic you know <laughs> and we just moved you know <coughs> premises and systems things are always improving back-end stuff things mm. crash websites customers you know it's you're dealing with everything it's it's a massive beast you know so it's it's difficult mate there's there's so many instances and, and stories that we can go into but um i think for the most part you know i've enjoyed the process mm. um it is I've, enjoyable like as much as in the moment it seems all consuming and there's no there's no seeming way out of this that's a good way out of it yeah when you come from the other side like whew, 
don't it? Piece, piece. Yeah, and I think because because you care, you know, you absolutely care, it means more as well. Everything that, that happens, good and bad, it just, it's, it's elevated because you're emotionally invested, you're physically invested, you're financially invested. We, we were fucking all chips it. in. You're fucking about with your own resources. Like, you know, there's other gambles you can make in life, whether it be physical, emotional, so on and so forth. But when it's, when you're, as humans are inherently driven to acquire resources, because that's what puts food on the table, keeps our lights on, and everything, you know, in a very reductionist sense, boils down to that. So in this year, it's the, it's, it's a vision and it's a mission and it's a business, but it's ultimately determined what allows you the amount of resources. When you start making decisions that are fucking around with that, it triggers so many emotions in like how you respond to it and stuff like that. And it's, you spoke to it enough to the, the importance of having the right person and communicating about it. And actually, as you said, deliberately initiating conflict if you're not happy mm-hmm. because the metric of success or how we talk about the metric of success is after an issue, does that relationship descend to 99% or does it heal to 101%? Because ultimately you're going to behave your way to abject failure or you're going to strength from that relationship so yeah. you've got to be happy to go to someone saying look this is the fucking problem this is why it's a problem to me and this is what i want done about it yeah and having the actual strength of character to do that is really really important and again it's the co- it's the culture that we see on the outside yeah and i think for us it's that um as we've we've kind of grown and, and um thankfully got some some amazing people into kind of lighten the load for myself and louis and uh, mm. the, the one of the probably the most difficult things that we've had to learn is to try and step back yeah. step back from the cold face mm. get get out of the trenches uh just trying to have that kind of commander's intent look mm. back and it's so difficult to not work in the business mm. you know and, and try and decide to work on the business and that's been difficult because you get guilt you get real guilt for yeah. wanting to do that um, yeah we work with uh, a propensity quite a high proportion actually of business owners and ceos and people who are successful in their space and it's the same it's a real identity shift which has been a recurring theme about what we've spoken about today it's a real identity shift from being on the tools then you said stepping back and realizing that maybe you're not fulfilling those orders and maybe you're not doing that hands-on but actually you're just your only task for today is to think of a solution to that one problem that's really crippling the business but that three hours you spend thinking is actually what is going to you know create the whole next year of growth and development of a product it's very hard to do it's hard to know when that 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 shift needs to happen because it because it happens it's like death of a thousand because it happens slowly over time it's not one day you walk in and go fucking brilliant i can down tools now i've got this guy over here she's doing this and brilliant they're dealing with that it happens slowly uh through business and you start getting people just thinking like i can't fucking get all this done yeah you're at that point as well financially from the business and in research you know resource and, and cash flow and everything else and then you're literally Knowing when to hire is, is a bit of a skill, yeah. you know, and we, we've fucked up with that sometimes, leaving it too late. You know, mm. you're literally watching somebody drown <laughs> and you're like, they need support, you know, mm. but it's just trying to get that timing right in, in all the areas across the, all the yeah. areas of the business as well. So that's another learning point. But look, we're in a good space right now. Um, we're super happy. We're surrounded by great people. We've instilled, I'd like to think, a great culture yeah. uh, within the business, which you touched on earlier. And I think that's really important as well. Surround yourself with the good people, mm. you know, giving them a big hook to really get their teeth into because we've all been there you know we work you know those jobs uh, and there are people probably listening that again have to work jobs for different reasons but there's nothing worse than fucking fr- swinging your legs out of the bed in the morning and think fuck my Can't life do that again yeah. I just cannot be chinned, you know, mm. but it's difficult. It's not an easy decision. You know, I'm not telling people that it's, it's all on you. And especially mm. if you've got people that depend on you and, and, and kids and little ones and, and you know, and, and misses and everything else. So it's, it's a difficult decision to make. It's yeah. uh, again, it's easy to make, like you said, ideologies of, oh, well, you know, just fuck it all off and go your own way and do your own thing. But it's, there's risk. Yeah. A lot of risk. fucking risk. Yeah. And know? there's a lot of unknown risks. If you're, if you're naive to that side of things, well, I was massively naive when I started personal training. I just liked training. Yeah. <laughs> and started training yeah. people and that. I was similar to 
to you in that, you know, when you were doing PT and you were doing uh, lifeguarding at the same time, I was like, how long do I want to be on the gym floor? Can't reps for, mate. This is not a future. This is not an yeah. impact I want to have on the world. And then having to make really terrifying in, even the first time you talk about a sensitive topic on on social media and you press that send button and thousands of people are going to see that you're fucking shit in the bed and just yeah. those small decisions that you make day in and day out do you know what for me like one of the when, when i was trying to break this down logically in my brain and we were leaving you know the military and for me and louis our worst case scenario with through dark was you know it would fail mm. to actually fail and then go back to something and just say well i tried yeah, it's I, I could not have done any more. I tried. Um, and that's, you know, you'll know from your environment, maybe when you were thinking about going on selection, you'd only been in a commando unit for two years. You probably had a few detractors there being yeah. like, fucking get back in line, Crow. Like, you're not you're not the person that can go on that. And you spoke to, you know, speaking to people who have failed that course and they probably had that same thing of, are you going to fail? What's the fucking point? Yeah, yeah. Nails, you haven't got it's... a chance. And people will always like look to, not not people, that's not fair. There's always a proportion of people yeah. who will look to elevate themselves by stepping on you. But it's actually having that self-security and that confidence in yourself and say, well, I believe I can do it and I believe I've got the minerals. And if it doesn't go to plan, then I'm happy to accept that and say, oh, I fucking failed, but at least I tried. Yeah, and I think there's a, knowing the difference between, you know, being risk aware and risk averse as well. Mm. There's like the two, you know, quite similar things, but very, very different. And I think <laughs> a good story actually with the because I'd only done three years in the Marines when I went on my sniper course uh, for me that was a big checklist to see if I was kind of capable from a soldiering point of view mm. you know and, and, and um, physically fit enough as well and I remember sitting in with the chief instructor uh, and he was kind of end of the end of the um, the course kind of load out and kind of where do you want to go what cyber billet do you want and I remember looking at him and saying oh, I want to go on selection and he literally fucking downed his his mug of tea on the desk <laughs> literally laughed in my fucking face yeah. and I was like his words were good luck with that yeah. and I just thought fuck is that is that what it, you know I later found out that he'd failed selection but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually the fucking case and I just yeah. left the room just sort of like dumbfounded thinking, you don't know what to make of it you're what like what the fuck you're like do I, do I fuck him off and prove him wrong or is actually has he got a point am I not good yeah. enough do I, you, yeah I, does he know something I don't when I, when I entered the MDS you know the marathon the I'm doing next year and I was looking for someone to oversee my programming because I've been a coach 10 years I deeply value the coaching process mm. and having a second set of eyes and I'm not going to name any names for their, for their benefit but I had someone laugh down the phone at me as well 87 kilo guy jiu-jitsu like never done an ultra marathon yeah. uh, you need to be able to run 20 miles a week, 20 miles a day five days a week by December I was speaking to him like last month and he actually laughed down the phone at me I was like well for me mate um, I'm out <laughs> put the phone down but I was like fucking and I had even now I had, I had a moment I was like is, am I way behind the curve am I being really naive and I was like nah fuck that mate like, yeah. like, the worst that happens is, like, is a DNF and yeah. uh, it's being able to accept that yeah. you get him in all walks of life mate you do really, really do get them. And if anyone listening to this, don't ever think that anybody, even if Staz's calibre is immune to that, like we've all faced it. Yeah. It's, what, it's what you do Mate, with we it. had the fucking same when we left the military and, and close friends and colleagues that we work with, you know, we heard things that were being said and some to our face, some not to our face and about what we were doing. And mm. uh, guys just couldn't understand it. They didn't want to understand it. It was that, the heckling, you know, from the corners of you're doing what? You, doing a fucking fashion brand or you're doing clothing or I don't mm. get it what's it going to be and have you seen what those two are doing they're fucking mad you know what I mean and yeah. but mate it is what it is, it is what it is yeah. fucking stick to your vision stick yeah. to what you want to do and what you what you believe in and yeah. and be you know live eat sleep and breathe it and just fucking and just blaze your own trail 
mm. and go for it. And you get to a point where you almost, I've certainly arrived at a point for, for me where I've been able to be empathetic, not patronizing, but I've done a lot of work on myself. And I recognized that when I was a younger man, I was an angry little fucker. I was very reactive and I was a bit resentful to other people and seeing how they were getting on. I was, why is not that me? So I'm able to be empathetic. So I'm being in that part of my life and I've experienced those emotions and it's deeply unpleasant and I don't want for anyone to live their life in that way. So I just kind of let it wash over me. I'm like, don't hate you. I don't want you to take it back. I'm just like, hopefully you arrive at a point one day where you and I can sit across the table and be fucking sweet because you've you've moved through that part of your life. Yeah, I can um, definitely see elements of that in myself as well. Yeah, 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 cool. So, you know, now you're in a space where you're, the, the, the chessboard is very much set for you guys to continue moving forward. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about you in a personal entity. You know, anyone who follows this, the Three Dot page or yourself will know you've got a massive passion for jujitsu now, mate. How's that going? Yeah, um, how's it going? <laughs> Fuck. It's like yeah, for people that... that that, that, that do it know uh, mm. those who don't I guess it's uh, somebody described it as, as kind of drowning out of water at yeah. times but uh, it's a baptism of fire I think I'll start with why did I want to do it mm. um, it was something that was on my radar I'd always kind of loved enjoyed participated in uh, martial arts so mm. that started as, as kickboxing as a kid then moved to boxing uh, and then there was some more stuff done in the military and uh, I love love martial arts as well like, like kind of mo most uh, type personalities love a scrap love watching a scrap and when I left the military for me I needed something to get focused on I loved training gym was fine I'd always done the gym and it was actually through Sam so for some Sam uh, Sam Sheriff yep. uh, an ex-Royal Marine PTI first black belt at in the Marines yeah so yep. Sam uh, set up a reorg so shout out to Sam and reorg and the team there and, and Mark and everybody else who've done a fantastic job there it was one of those things that it was, a, it was an itch that I wanted to scratch and with most of these things time is not right this isn't right I've got a bad mm. knee my back's fucked you know I'm injured I don't want to injure myself I don't think I can do it and you know Sam came in one day and the timing was right. We just moved into the unit and Sam came in with his mats in the in the back of his van, rolled them out and said, well, you know, I was kind of going through this process with him. Well, I don't think I can do it. My my, my right knee's barked and this and that and excuse matrix. Mm. And he was like, well, see how you get on. You know, it's, um, why don't you give it a whirl? And we did. We had a roll here and... Um, humbled immediately. It's probably mm. one of the first <laughs> things you realise and recognise. And mm. it can affect people in different ways. You can either kind of immediately put up the defense to that and the shield and say, well, no, that's fine. I don't want to do that. I'll just stick to what I'm good at. I'm just, I'm just going to box as a load of shit. And I, yeah. you know, or you can go, fuck this. I want to learn this yeah. and what just happened and mm -hmm. how is he enabled? How was he able to do that to me? Yeah. And I couldn't do fuck all ab you about feel it. So helpless. You're like, I'll just put that down. It's like, I haven't got the use of my arm. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was a, I need to learn this yeah. and I'm, and I, and I'm interested. I'm intrigued now and I've got an addictive personality anyway, but yeah. I think off the back of that, then we ordered some mats here. Here and um, you know, again, shout out to Jimmy Johnson, a, a bit of a local legend around here from Phoenix mm. MMA. Uh, he came down um, uh, and continued training with with the team here through Dark. Something we put on for, for the staff as well. And uh, his son Nathan uh, came down as well. Uh, brown belt at the time. He's now black belt, youngest black belt in the UK, uh, 21. Nathan now continues to train us consistently. Mm. And with most of these things, because I hate being shit at things. <laughs> so for me, mm. I was like, what do I need to do? How many times do I need to train and it and jujitsu is weird it, it 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 
fucking infuriates but ignites at the same time because mm. you, you you know so little and it's 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 so involving and mm. it's like a form of meditation for me you know i could it's when i'm on the mindfulness mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> mindfulness you don't think about anything else mm. other than being on task and it reminded me of that flow state when you're at mm. work and you get into it and you know that wanting to learn and be better was, was super addictive to me and, mm. I, and I loved it and um you know it's uh, it's always the same it's why didn't i start this shit earlier yeah. you know but it is what it is it's the best mm. plant time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or, yeah. or now i think that's the one the one phrase i hear from everyone who starts it's like i fucking just wish i'd started it when i was younger well you like, haven't so you yeah, are where yeah, you yeah. are and you just are you are yeah plant your fucking tree start watering it you know i started at 30 about six years old um mm. which some people have had you know messages about that and it's mm. not too late can i start now just mm. fucking get on it get involved yeah, you're it's not been... to be a world champion you can still be very very good i will um, be no <laughs> you can still be brilliant like, and there's people that start in their late 50s yeah um, yeah but, I believe, it's, but it's more than that it's it's a per, what i like about it is it's a it's a journey for you personally mm. and it's not about comparing yourself to other people or mm. somebody who's the same age or somebody who's the same belt as you or you know who's doing it quicker or who's getting promoted quicker it's it's your own personal journey yeah. and you know at the moment nathan you know just a one a polaris as well and an incredible incredible young man and um you know an inspiration as well and he's been he's been brilliant coming in here training the guys training us with now what just tends to happen is instead of the, the weight stuff now it's just yeah. it's just all jujitsu but mm. i think it's so important for for people not everybody and i'm not saying it's it's a one shoe fits everybody or one gi fits everybody it's um it's different some guys have tried it here didn't like it and have left it some guys have tried it not liked it come back to it now like it mm. so it it, it 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 it's different for everybody but i think for me personally it's been incredible for my 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 mindset in and out of the out of the gym as well so it's um i think it's an important life lesson for everybody to learn you know mm. you everybody should be punched in the face once See how it feels, yeah. <laughs> sat on their ass <laughs> and everybody should be choked out you know and and put in that position of being humbled mm. and I think how you react to that um, and how you move forward from that is uh, a true testament to, to character and to you as a person, as an individual as well. Yeah. And what I like about it is it's perpetual learning. It, yeah. it, ne it fucking never ends. It, it's so cyclical, isn't it? Like oh. we, you and I were talking earlier when we were getting a coffee and it was like, you know, you've been working your guard passing game for a while and you feel really proficient in that and you feel, right, okay, I'm great and I'm going to work on guard retention off my back. And you're like, I'm fucking shit. Like, oh, shit. And you yeah. spend a couple of months being like, I'm really shit and I get a bit better and then I've nailed that. Then you maybe revisit your guard passing and what used to work now doesn't work anymore because <laughs> yeah. of the news they're going to turn yeah. like, fuck's sake but it's a constant yeah. upward iteration and there's so many styles to the sport as well i spoke about this a little bit of a few different people on the podcast there's so many different styles available to you as well so sometimes it's the right sport it's the right person but the style that has been taught in just doesn't work and that's absolutely fine yeah. first gym i ever trained at was a brilliant gym and um it was it was very heavy on technique in the gi and i was like i just don't relate to this ever so much i didn't think it was for me and as you said went to a new gym where i'm not with, with asw with cam who's a very likable person one of my one of my closest mates and uh he's just a fucking fighting man yeah he's like if someone can touch your face they can punch it stop fucking like stop chilling out <laughs> on your back and doing sport jujitsu yeah um and just like and I just instantly immediately fell in love with it and now then that's been a been been a very, very similar influence in my life up until recently with with the MDS and preparations mean I've got to be a bit more cautious about my knees. Yeah. But um yeah, I definitely I resonate with that. And also with regards to training as well, you know, I think the reality of the matter is when we're in our twenties and our thirties, we lift weights, A because of how it makes us feel, but B because of how it makes us look. 
And as you develop in maturity and self-security, you become less concerned with, with how things look and more concerned with how they feel. And you're like, well, jujitsu makes me feel brilliant. I feel confident. I feel fit, healthy, resilient. I'm pushing myself mentally. I'm working on the mental skills that are required to solve problems under pressure and at high pace. So I'm not that concerned if I don't have fucking 18-inch biceps anymore. Yeah, and I think the main, uh, yeah, I agree with all, all your points there. And I think the, the main issue or problem, if, I think if people are fucking brutally honest with themselves, it, it's their ego, mm. you know, fr from training as well and jujitsu mm. to, to step on a mat you know with considering kind of my background it's easy to settle back into well this is me and i can rest on my laurels here mm -hmm. and i've done this and i've done that and and, and I'm, i look good i'm in the gym i could train well and you know i can box quite well and bits and pieces and kickbox i'm, I'm, I'm fine i don't need i don't need anything else and mm -hmm. then to step on a mat and put a, a white belt and have that white belt blue belt mentality mm -hmm. however we want to phrase that it's the same thing it's it's putting yourself back into a situation where you don't know fuck all and yeah. having the humility to go through that yeah. and and continue with it and persevere mm -hmm. and ultimately what comes out the back of that or the other end of that is a better version of yourself yeah and it's something that you can't fucking buy like you <laughs> spoke to it being a journey it's just thousands of hours of just turning up and there's, there's weeks and months i can think of when it's just been every day getting in the car after training and having a real word of myself and be like why am i doing this like i'm fucking shit it's not getting any better and then there's other times when it's like you are on a, on a, on a trend an upward trend for like six months and you're fucking smashing it and you're giving people problems you have no business giving problems yeah and you're like, i'm the fucking kid here yeah, like i'm yeah. the boy and it, it forces you to, to constantly self-reflect and different formulations of self-reflect but it's all powerful it's all a skill that is then transferable to other areas of your life maybe you know you're experiencing problems on the mat and you think about that and then you're more inclined you've got the mental skills of i'm experiencing problems at home let's let's use that same framework like why is that like what what am i not doing that's causing that what, what am i doing like has this happened or did i make it happen mm. and beginning to think on in, in that way Wicked, mate. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, the um, the elephant in the room we haven't spoken about yet is the book, mate. That's um, that's exciting. It basically Shit, yeah. there's a much more thorough job of covering everything that we've rattled and raced through. So um, I looked at the blurb on, on Amazon when I pre-ordered the book, and if you haven't done so, I recommend you do because from reading the blurb alone, I was like, I fucking want a slice of that. But can you more comprehensively talk to us about about the book, mate, and what it's about? Yeah, um, I think first of all, before we dive dive into it, there's been a few issues with the releasing of the book, and and, and more so the uh, the timing. Um, so it is a Available to, to purchase right now, multiple platforms, Amazon and, and bits and pieces, and we've kind of done the pre-sale and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and thank you to everybody that's uh, that has pre-ordered as well. It's done quite well in terms of pre-orders. We're keeping people updated. My main issue at the moment, or the books issue, is it's currently in with the uh, disclosure sale with the military. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's some them stuff, there's some stories, some bits and pieces in there that, that, that understandably have to go through the disclosure process, security uh, process, to make sure everything is is is, um, is is tight and ticked off. So this this process is taking a long time, uh, and it does uh, for obvious reasons. You know, where we're kind of working with them, working through the process, and making amendments, and mm. it, it takes time. So what what I, it was originally due to be released in September, just mm. gone, then pushed to January. It's now pushed to August next year, just to buy as enough time really because to make those changes, to make those changes uh, but also make them in the right way because you know there's one thing just saying kind of remove this or the whole chapter we kind of want to retain the information because the book for me was about it's not so much about Hollywood stories and this and that and this is what I did and, and look at this but what I wanted to do with the book because um, there's, there's enough of those books out there I think for me what, what, did, what did we want to do we wanted to talk about the lessons that I'd learned the knockbacks that I'd had from my childhood through move, everything that we've kind of spoke about here, the lessons that I learned and then how have I applied them now into business mm. or into your life in general, you know? And for me, that was the main part of it. So it's kind of 
four main parts of, of, of the business really but we talk about there's loads of different uh, obviously chapters and bits and pieces and I talk about everything jiu-jitsu as well and white belt mentalities and, and controlling the controllables which we spoke about as well but mm. the main takeaway from me from the book was about how we reframe our minds the lessons that we've learned the hardships you know having that 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 lens to now look back and understand why we've done things and, and how it frames our decision making processes mm. and that's the main takeaway from me it's 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 called the hard road will take you home which was a speech that was delivered to us when i was in i want to say week week 20 of, of raw marines training and we were just breaking up for uh for summer leave and we we're on the bottom field all the other troops were on the field there and uh, quite an infamous well-known individual stood atop the grassy knoll colonel thorpe and uh, quite an imposing individual you know big in, in stature who obviously went on to, to 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 be in the sps as well and he just delivered this speech that just one of those those speeches that you remember for time and you could have heard a pin drop out on, on the bottom field there and the main takeaway from the speech was stop taking the fucking easy path mm. you know you're all here because you want to be here and you're here for the right reasons you know and the, his main uh, speech was geared around kind of people look for the, the shortcuts you mm. know that's that's not the the path you know that everyone wants this path of least resistance making the choosing the easy options and he was like but ultimately if you want to fucking get home the hard road will, mm. will lead you home you know so really fucking dial in on that and it, it at the time i needed to hear that speech it, it fucking resonated with me it's something that that stuck with me a little mantra that's always been there with me in the back of my mind when whenever i think about cutting a corner because we all fucking do mm. you know uh, professionally and personally i go if i just do this and fucking you know, make my life easier and quicker and i don't need it and for me i always sort of revert back to that and i look at myself from an outside perspective and say well or visualize how i wanted to to act in a situation and mm. we'll touch on visualization as well kind of mm. when i'm trying to sell my book the hard, <laughs> the hard sell the hard Buy sell it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, that, that's why i wanted to title the book the hard road will take you home it's something that i always revert back to mm. when i'm thinking about stuff or whether i'm that little fucking voice in my head yeah. telling me to take the easy option i i, I try not to and that's not to say I don't. I'm fucking full disclosure. You I think that's really powerful, again, because people have a propensity to compare based on what they see on social media and they look at someone, maybe like yourself, think he's got his shit in one sock, he's well put together and he's fucking nails. And he came out, he was born as an SPS operator. And, mm. and the reality is that you still have the same psychology of, you know, your, your brain is, is a prediction machine. It's always trying to predict have we got the energy? Have we got the resources for that? And if it wants to conserve, uh, conserve energy, it's going to try and find a fucking shortcut. Yeah. And actually, it's all just about having the awareness, catching it in the act, and then having those mental models and frameworks that you can apply in that situation and go, nope, we, we fucking got... We, uh, Gaz and I were laughing and joking earlier about the, um, the March from November. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what, about 21 miles? Yeah. I know it'd be very easy to get a part of the way in and be like, I'm just going to turn on and fuck off. And it's like, well, you've got... 10 miles back that way, mate, to get to the van, so you may as well fucking finish it There's a lot to be said for that, <laughs> yeah. isn't there? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. if you remove those support structures and, and, and just, now that's in a very physiological setting, but if you look at it in a life, and again, I always try to relate things back to how it is applicable to people that have invested their time to, to listen to a talk, is, well, you know, if we are blaming things outside of our control, if we're blaming circumstance or, you know, dare I say it, making excuses, look at the situation and say, well, the hard thing for me to do here is actually accept responsibility. But by accepting responsibility, I also accept that I can change the situation or I can take the easy road, which is keep blaming other people, which feels great, feels easy at the time, gives me a massive hit. 
but it doesn't change this fucking situation. So I have to take the hard road and it is going to make me feel like shit and I am going to make me feel a little bit guilty, but I'm going to have a, have a fucking... Do you know what the happiest animal on earth is? Ooh, I want to say something like a fucking sloth. It's a goldfish because it's got oh. a fucking 10 second memory. Oh, right? Yeah, there you go. You fucking forget about it. Yeah. Big goldfish. Sloths look happy though. Generally. Yeah, they do look pretty happy. I'd be, I'd be happy if I was a sloth. But I don't actually know if goldfish are happy. It's just a really cool quote that I got I like that. Ted no, Lasso. Like it. it was good, yeah. good to hear his mate. But yeah, the happiest fucking animal on earth is a goldfish because it's got a 10 second memory. So when bad shit happens, forgot about it. And we proceed with what we with what we know. So anything that we, we have a propensity to self-loathe or self-deprecate or feel guilt or shame, just work for it, forget about it and, and, and deal with what you've got ahead of you. And that's very much what you're, you're talking about there. So yeah. I really felt an affinity to what I've read about the blurb of the book, but purely based on that, it wasn't gung-ho, it wasn't I am fucking mega and this is a war story and so on and so forth. And obviously there's a large component of it in that, otherwise it wouldn't have been, you know, with, with that, that sell for so long. So I think if anything, that's going to accelerate people's propensity to buy it because it's yeah, going to be really It's more intriguing. about lessons learned and, and how I can apply those yeah. situations into a personal and professional um, and business setting as well. But mm. the audio piece as well, so the audio book is quite interesting in so much that, you know, obviously I'm uh, narrating it, so apologies for my fucking dull, <laughs> dull voice and tone. But after each chapter, I can't know if I can say this. Yeah, I can say it. Yeah, uh, uh, I say what I want uh, and, until they tell me otherwise. Mm. After each chapter, uh, I'm kind of, it's a 20 minute down dirty conversation uh, mm. for each of the chapters. And I'm speaking to some some really good friends of mine, personal friends, so professionally and personally that I've, that I've been surrounded by and some interesting characters on there. So after each chapter, mm. we break down the chapter, but mainly just go off beast and talk about what we want to talk about um, mm. for 20 to 30 minutes. So that bit's interesting as well to kind of get their yeah. experience and their input as well in, yeah. into that kind of element as well. Yeah, because so, to your point, um, I'm, uh, by no means am I sitting here saying that my shit's in one sock. I've got it all sorted and not everything squared away. I haven't, not mm. by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. And obviously, to our points earlier, what we were talking about in terms of realizing now that you actually know fuck all yeah. is uh, is mind blowing and, mm. and and frightening to be honest. So yeah, um, yeah it's a book that's. Uh, it's it, it was quite an interesting process to go through. It took uh, a long time. A shout out to Matt Allen as well, uh, my ghostwriter. You know, having that kind of patience to sit down with me and, and really kind of dig into the weeds and leave no stone unturned you know uh, mm. it's a hard difficult process but it's made me more aware self-aware of myself as well and how I think and feel about situations so mm. I'm glad I've, I'm glad I've done it but it's uh, it's been a, it's been a hard graft as well mm. uh, all things considered so yeah, yeah I can imagine it'd be quite a therapeutic process in itself is basically sitting and talking through all that sort of stuff and yeah. realizing when, when you replay it like oh fucking hell yeah yeah um, and you spoke just before we got into that section about the book about a visualization so I'll, I'll leave that as an open question like what yeah. Talk to me about visualization. Yeah, now. thanks for reminding me, mate. Visualization, and I didn't realize I, I was I was doing this until you know I say quite recently, a few years ago. But um, visualization has been a massive part of of I think my successes in parts, if I can say success humbly. But I think looking back at kind of what I used to think about from and the first time I recognized that I was doing this was when I was used to play football. Then mm. the, the, the higher the higher levels I was getting into at playing football and and thinking about situations and visualizing how I wanted to play in certain situations, good and bad as well, and, and how I would react in situations. So if this didn't happen, how would I want to react? And how would I, how would the, how would the person that I want to be react in that situation more importantly? And that, so I was doing that during football and, and throughout all these different times. And then it, it massively came into play when I did select, when I, when I went on selection, and for me, I, I wanted to, it's the, um, I guess, acting the way that you wanted to, to, mm -hmm. to be. And, and that was a big part for me. I was like, well, 
what would a, a special forces operator, in my eyes, who would that person be? How would they um, conduct themselves? How would they carry themselves? How would they how would they deal with all their kit and equipment? And how would they also deal with situations and react in certain situations? And I started to visualize and think about that and, mm. and put myself in that position. And I think it really fucking helped as I was moving through and I was thinking about stuff again. And, you know, well, how would an operator be right now in this situation? Yeah, I'm fucking tired. Everyone's tired. You know, my feet are, everyone's fucking feet are hurting, you know. Um, but how would an operator look? How would they conduct themselves? What mask would they wear? Mm. And, and how would that be projected outwardly? But also, more importantly, how would that be um, internalized in my mind how as well? How do I communicate it to yourself? How do I communicate that to myself? And more mm. importantly, and, and I did that through visualization. And and um, I guess it's not, it's not acting, is it? It's a, it's really kind of digging into the, being the person that you want to do. And I do that now when I train because, and we talk, we can speak about motivation and discipline and and, and how we should, rem you know, everybody could be fucking motivated. And it, we're banging the same drums that you probably have for, for time, but realizing, you know, that, you know, discipline is far more important than motivation. Mm. But it's also how you speak to yourself is fucking super important you know yeah. it's it's knowing when to, to think fuck you know I, I don't want to train today we all fucking feel like that i don't i don't want to get get out of bed i want a fucking extra 10 minutes this and that and excuses and i'll do it tomorrow and watch mm. one training session who gives a fuck and but having that discipline and that visualization and going what would the person do that the person that i want to be the person that i'm heading towards wanting to be what would mm. that person fucking do mm. what is the right thing to do here and that's helped me out massively and i didn't realize until maybe a few years ago that i was doing it it tends to be the way mate and it's it's fascinating listening to you speak about that because I can see your cogs wearing and I can see the like the visual cinema happening when mm. you're when you're thinking about what you're talking about. But you know, a lot of high performers that I've had the the, the pleasure of speaking to yourself included in that bracket have been using these skills without realizing it was a skill. And that's the danger of people only looking at literature. Is like more often than not, the science is fucking years behind what people are actually doing. I was the same with segmenting. You know, when it's a massive goal, so you break it down even to like getting through the next minute. And oh, the next absolutely. Yeah, but I've done a lot of that. Visualization. It's is a really interesting topic and there's a lot in that I want to unpack but mo the reason I, I believe listening to what you've just said so it's you know a tenth of a percent of what actually has happened but the reason why I believe you maybe had success with it is because you were asking the right question you know and, and a lot of people when they think about visualization they think it's about just dreaming up of an image of success you know crossing that finish line or getting awarded the lid or anything like that but actually you are you are visualizing but you are asking the right question which is well how would i aspire to say i behaved in this situation and inside the program we we refer to it as t today's self versus tomorrow's self because mm -hmm. today's self inherently wants to jack wants to take the easy route and preserve energy and just fucking chill out and then tomorrow self would be like you fucking idle cunt I've got all this work to get through because you couldn't be asked to do it today yeah. so if you think ahead to like what, what would tomorrow's person like like or need for me to do that's going to give them the greater chance of success today okay right I'm going to act on that person's behalf and I've definitely experienced that in terms of when I've been in front of some of my clients in the Hard to Kill program, would I be proud of, of how I'm behaving in a situation, of how I respond in the situation, how I've eaten today, how I've trained today, the intensity I developed in that session? Like, would I be proud of, to showcase that? And um, you also spoke to wearing the mask. And I think it's important we communicate. That's not about acting as if you're someone yeah. else. But, you know, there's a bit of a grey area here. And this is kind of where we sit in the Hard to Kill. Like, sometimes you, you just have to put a mask on, you know, because in certain situations that require high performance, you have to get a job done. And that doesn't just have to be in, in the middle 
military environment can be in business as well. You can't go into a boardroom and be like, oh, sorry, I'm having a really hard time at home. Yeah. It's like, right, okay, you've got to know when to put that face on it and act as the person that people need you to be in that environment, but without denying yourself the reality of your emotions and, and have a place and a time when you can take that mask off to let the fucking pressure out, whether that's at home, you've got a supportive partner or you've got coaches or you've got great friends, that you can actually take that fucking mask off. And um, Gaz, Gaz Bamford, someone that you and I both know, he's been and delivered the program before as well. He refers to it as a third space and I really like that analogy. So oh, for some of you who don't uh, know Gaz, if you, if you look at um, Jota's mindset, yeah. I think it's an Instagram, and he, he referred to it and delivered it brilliantly to our guys and having that third space. You know, you might've got work and then you've got home. There can be an enormous amount of pressures that build between those two environments. Yeah. And if you're always trying to be dad and then you're always trying to be boss, it can just, it, the pressure can build exponentially inside your own head and then it leads to procrastination, too much time on social media, speaking to other chicks. Self-loathing and everything yeah, else. All that sort that. of stuff. Um, alcoholism, fucking anything. But if you've got a third space, whether that be the gym, whether it be a group of mates, whether it be a coach, whatever, where you can take that fucking mask off and just like, yes, mate. let that pressure drain out. That is immeasurably yeah. powerful. Yeah. You probably have that with your mates at the time. And yeah. um, I've, I heard it referred to, um, I like that third space, but a shout out to Gaz as well. He was one of my team leaders when I joined the, yeah. the Sabre Squadron. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a guy I look up to uh, enormously as well. But I think, um, I heard it first referred to as the, the Japanese saying that we ha all have three masks. Yeah. And it's the, the first mask is the mask that you want to portray, the, the, the mask that you want to wear and mm -hmm. allow everybody else to see. The second mask is the mask that you wear when you're around close friends. Uh, and then the third mask is the mask you only show to yourself yeah. when you look yourself in the fucking mirror and that's your real self, that's your person. Yeah. And that's the person you've got to get to know. Yeah, yeah, and I guess between putting and wearing these different masks is knowing those spaces and, and when to wear the mask, when to not wear the mask, when to take the mask off and, mm -hmm. and allow yourself the, the time to put your own mask on and look yourself yeah. in the mirror, allow yourself to deal with with issues and problems and, mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself and deal with you know mm -hmm. uh, all, the, all the things that we're, that we're talking about there as mm -hmm. well. So, so yeah, it's interesting. talked about being authentic and being yourself and so on and so forth but like you'd have to be at the, the very highest end of the spectrum to believe you can just be at one version of yourself in all places in yeah. all situations you have to be able to chameleon yourself and that's not to say you're being disingenuous or you're not being yourself you're just spotlighting certain elements of your characteristics and traits more in certain environments than in others I think it's being self-aware 100% like you and don't socially aware as yeah. well as situationally aware you don't like you know if, if you let's let's take a sporting environment the way in which you might inspire the blokes on a pitch if you're playing rugby is not the same way you'd shout for you to ask your message for a cup of tea mm. right it's a different <laughs> level of communication there more importantly it's a different level of internal communication and i think the world that we live in and people that look at glorification of, of the military specifically perceive that they can guilt and shame and berate and bully themselves to success and it just can't happen you have to be your own best friend and um, people misconstrue that sometimes and i've said it, it's oh what you can just be fucking soft and let yourself rap it's like no because if you were doing something really hard with your best mate and he was begging to rap would you let him what would you say to him? You'd be like, oh, come on, mate, you fucking got this. But you'd be, you'd be encouraging, you'd be supportive, and you'd say the right things to inspire him to know that you can do it, and that's what you have to do. You wouldn't just let him be like, oh, mate, just wrap your bangers in and don't worry about it. Okay, but equally, you wouldn't be like, you're a fucking useless cunt, you fucking waste of space, you shouldn't have been here in the first place, because that's not going to inspire that person. So you've got to be able to, 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 to navigate that, those mental linguistics, and look at, well, how, how am I actually speaking to myself in that environment? Yeah, super important. Yeah, yeah, massively so. And then following on from that, something that you and I have discussed a little bit, and it wasn't a belief that I knew that we that we shared, but I find fascinating and really interesting as well is this whole grind set, mate. Mm -hmm. And we refer to it as that, you know, people being like, all right, I'm gonna work 25 hours a day, I'm gonna get up at like half one in the morning and fucking train, and if I'm not doing that, I'm not good enough. What's your general take on that, that ethos, mate? 
I think there's, with context, uh, there's a time and a fucking place for it. I think for the most part, it, it's complete bollocks. I think, <laughs> again, trying to, uh, this one shoe fits everybody. Mm. There's a very fucking small substract of people that um, can operate, live and, and breathe off of uh, three hours sleep a night consistently. You know, there's been times when I've been away operationally and in the SBS where, you know, you have to work to your fucking, till, till your eyes are bleeding, you know, and uh, for obvious reasons, you're, you're called to action and you're running on low sleep, low energy and, you know, and everything else. And I think that's why the selection process is so difficult because it, it, it allows you to understand who is capable of doing that when required. Yeah. But I think if we now look at, at business and performance and high performance from an individual and a collective group, mm. the, the data is there, isn't it? You cannot argue with data. Mm. And it's suggesting that you need X amount of hours of sleep because it improves performance by X amount. Mm. That, that, it's science, bro. <laughs> it's fucking data. Yeah. And I think if people stand in front of you and, and bang, the, bang the drum or bang their head against the wall and say, well, no, I think you've got to do this, this, and this. We, we know now what, we know what we thought to be true and, it, and it's being proven that, you know, we can only concentrate, is it three 90 minutes, I think we yeah. were saying, a day, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that rings true for me personally, you know. And I think trying to force people into this mindset and this, this old way of thinking of nine to five, you've got to work here and work there. And we know that that's not, how the human brain works mm. that's not how we optimally perform yeah and i think sleep is so fucking important and actually we chatted about i'm wearing a whoop <laughs> at the minute which i'm probably gonna throw in the fucking bin after this conversation um but you only know what you know i think yeah. through data and stuff the whoop's been great and I'm, I'm not addicted to data i'm just it just fascinates me it's uh i can take it or leave it or take it uh, take it off I, the main thing reason i got it is because you know i, I wore, wore garmin watches and bits and pieces but uh, i liked it from a jujitsu point yeah. of view because i i wanted to see if i was fucking if the data was uh, real to how I was feeling, yeah. I was like, I'm fucking licked. Some I feel like just my... feel, some rounds feel, I'm like, I, I nearly died. I'm like, <laughs> I saw Jesus. I think I died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I died and then came back to life yeah. and now wearing whoops, like, no, no, you're just fucking hanging out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it, it's it, it's recognizing and realizing your performance and what works for you as an individual as well. And this fucking mentality of, of you know, what's it like, eat the, uh, these early starts and- Eat uh, the frog, 5am club. Uh, just go, <laughs> 5am frogs and just fucking see yourself off and it's like you don't need to do that you know and I think it's detrimental to you physically mentally and output wise as well which, is, which is the most and emotionally and which is the most important part as well you know and don't get me wrong you know I'm I'm not for one minute saying I lie until 9, 10 in the morning and just mm. fucking scratch my arse and cruise into work and bits and pieces you know um, but for me it's it's, a, it's kind of a big non-negotiable it's getting a minimum of 8 hours sleeping you know a night again disclosures times when it, it can't happen it won't happen you're traveling you're away you're abroad you're going out you know whatever mm. but for the for the most part for the fucking 80 percent of the or the 90 percent of the time i'll try and stick to that and yeah. stick to that routine because mm. i've seen the benefits of that as well you know from performance of, of, of gym physical performance and also mentally mm. uh from work as well and knowing when to take yourself away and have the and not beat yourself up about it because mm. we're programmed and tuned to just well if i'm not fucking working 100 if i'm not beasting myself then surely there's mm. there's people outworking me everywhere and, yeah. and fast like, going to get no there quicker cares. yeah they're no going to climb the hill quicker it's like they're fucking not you yeah. know and I think it's it's important to to recognise that but again with the caveat of don't be a yeah. lazy cunt I think that's the thing is, is 
there's a time and place that you spoke to a hyper niche, like you're probably talking less than 0.01% of the time when you are at the very tip of the spear that most well-trained operators in the world in very austere and extreme conditions. Mm. You have to be able to do that 100%. That's ultimately what gives us the freedom to be able to have conversations like this. But if you're listening to this and you're just getting ready for a marathon, you are not that person, right? <laughs> if you're just, yeah. if you've been inspired by things you've seen on social media, you are not that person. Equally, you spoke to the fact there's outliers. So I would suggest guys like Nims are probably an outlier. Yeah. We know guys like Cameron Haynes, again, is probably an outlier. Those two people that I can think of, like the chance I've listened to this, you are not. And that's not me discrediting and reminding you, just saying you like, this was a quote from Martin Jones, who again is, is part of the Jurita setup, came in and presented to the Hard to Kill. And he was like, you categorically cannot train yourself to need or run on less sleep. And, and what was interesting, and, they, and he's a PhD, and they presented the data, and they're like, the thing is, the subjective feedback is, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. It's okay, cool, and then let's test you. And they tested, and they're like, all of their feedback markers, every single one was like massively off the, scar, uh, off the charts decrease. Like their physical performance is okay, but their ability to-, to Cognitive be, ability. Yeah, cognitive ability was fucked. Their ability to concentrate, to spot faults, like abstract you reasoning, emotional intelligence. You can't argue data. Yeah. You fucking can't, but some people will. They'll mm. fuck. They will still try. You just and gotta argue. want it, bro. You just gotta want it. <laughs> you just want gotta it want more. it. And it what, I think, what? I think for me is, um, and trying to link this back into into business in, uh, in a different light is 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 the one percenters, and I refer it quite refer to these people quite a lot, and it's usually the negative people. And yeah. but you do find yourself trying to change your systems mm. internally from a business point of view to suit the one percenters because they shout the loudest. Mm. This is fucking terrible. You need to change this. And, the, mm. and there's times where we have meetings about things and it's time consuming. And well, I think we need to do this. Look at what this person said and blah, blah, blah. And stop, stop, fucking stop. Are we mm. about to change our systems and practices for the one percenters? Yeah. And then you realize it was never it was never about you. It was always about them, about what they've gone on. And it's, on. And it's the same yeah. with your, your physical um, you know, development and mental development and everything. Would you change everything that you do to um, align yourself with the one percenter? Because this, this guy on Instagram is a one percenter and he, he gets up at 4 a.m. and he works till midnight and he's doing it. Yeah, okay, maybe he is one of those outliers. We will probably never know short of genetic testing. And it was, it was great to see, obviously, Nim's film, who I don't know, I'm speaking about him like I'm fucking mates with him. All I've, all I've seen of him is his book and his film. Yeah. But um, they, they, they took him into, into, a, into a lap and they were yeah. like, yeah, you're, you're a genetic outlier. Like your ability yeah. to do this is, is inherently, like not that you don't work, like the work ethic has absolutely been generated and facilitated by you, but you do have parts of your genetic code that mean you're, you're able to do this in a way that would probably kill the likes of you or I maybe as an example. And I think it's really important. And I also think it was really important I got that message is from you because mm. you know you're someone that a lot of people looked up to myself included as, as, as the, the, the peak of high performance but knowing that you are a more fulfilled person you are essentially happier in yourself your output is increased and improved your just general happiness of life and quality of life is improved by the fact you get more sleep rather than just guilting yourself into sleeping six hours a night and, and not living a life in, in, in accordance to your highest values and again it's it's, it's uh, evident to see when we spoke about culture in through dark and, and how you think about productivity in the working day if we're not built and we, we generally are not very well equipped to sit at a desk and concentrate from nine till five yeah. it's not really something that we can do and um, if you're able to build in flexibility in your day uh, how powerful that can be to actually mean that you could probably get eight hours worth of work done in those three 90 minute blocks if you're yeah. allowed to relax and i know you were talking about having a relaxation pods built here and all that sort of stuff which would be cool yeah and and also the, the gym facility as well and people yeah. train over there over their lunch times or they'll come in you know before work or during and mm. you know, it's the same again if you, you know and you should be able and you should be confident and comfortable enough in the environment to turn around and go I'm, I've, I've maxed out my brain mm. is absolutely fucking fried you're probably from this point on you're not going to get 
the perfect yeah. version of yeah. me in terms of output and work. Yeah. Uh, I need to go take myself away. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we do sometimes. We encourage people to go off, off site, get away from things, go, go grab a coffee, grab food, whatever you need to do, come back in. Okay? Mm -hmm. you, ha you have to be aware of that. You, mm -hmm. you have to be aware as, a, as an employer, but also as employees as well. You know, it works both ways. If people are feeling that, I'm feeling that fatigue. There's, there's always pressure from other people. Just fucking man up. Just what, what you're doing, just work harder. And it's like, mm -hmm. fucking hell, stop beating that drum. It just doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely doesn't work. And again, you spoke to motivation versus discipline because when when people um always need to feel motivated typically they get a really low what we what i refer to as density of work so in an hour and i do a lot with regards to, to flow state i'm currently in the in the flow research collective so we do a lot looking at the neuroscience behind flow and how to cultivate that and i, I can't remember the exact number so i might butcher this but i think the average person gets distracted in excess of 50 times an hour by emails and every time they get distracted it takes them then 18 minutes to refocus so even if you think you've been working for four hours you've probably been working for the guts of about 16 minutes yeah. in terms of like peak productivity so imagine if we were to take away this grind set imagine if you were to get a really good night's sleep and you're actually energized and inspired to want to go to work and removed all the distractions and went absolutely ham for 90 minutes you've probably got the guts of everything done and that will remove that guilt of i've got to work longer i've got to work longer i've got to work longer because i have haven't got it done but how about we like we rest so that we can work better rather than work longer so we've earned rest it's just a, it's a bit, oh, of, like a, that bit, bit yeah. of a shift in mindset yeah yeah, yeah i like it mate yeah, yeah, yeah i was yeah. literally sat in a boring hr meeting the other day and, <laughs> and you know looking at uh contracts and bits and pieces and hours and having that very same conversation mm. with the guys here and and just pull back again from the table and go like straight. what yeah. what are we actually trying to achieve here is mm. this a legal th hours and we've got to do 40 hours everyone's got to do fucking 40 hours well, have they why there's a few well, firms that are pioneering four day weeks there's a few firms who are doing it yeah. yeah and I think it just having those windows shortened and allowing people the flexibility come in a little bit later train mm. relax you know don't be fucking clocking in clocking out we don't do any of that shit here mm. but you know it's but it's a fine balance mate between and I guess that has to be managed in, uh, at, at kind of team leaders you got to know your leadership and you got to yeah. know your people because people will take the piss you mm. know but um i think with that comes a level of trust and respect and it and that that mm. fucking flows both ways doesn't yeah. it you know it ends up being like a bit of a utopian image of like well if we were to do this then society would be better but it's like well it's not always gonna be the case because when it for, for as long as it's have and have nots in any capacity of that you're always gonna get people who are gonna are gonna try and play the system but yeah. as a general overview like in terms of peak performance returning back to the point like avoid that grind set because it's not conducive to your best work or yeah. your happiest life. Yeah, I like that, mate. Yeah. Um, I think, mate, we've pretty much covered the list of scribbles that I had written down for today. It's been a fantastic conversation, mate, one that I really enjoyed. Probably love to pick up again moving forward once the book's out and we'll talk about that as well. Mate, it's been exceptional. So once again, I really appreciate having me and, and thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Mate, thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cool.